you know um self-promotion and uh, all of that and um, ambition you know the fight for preeminence lord jesus i will die is not in my life pride and haughtiness in the name of jesus like you just pray over yourself and pray over yourself and you declare that i'm not in partnership with the enemy of the children of god i'm not in partnership with the enemy in any shape or form in the mighty name of jesus every seed of satan every seed of the enemy that hides and lurks in darkness that comes to overthrow the promise of god in my life i reject you in the mighty name of jesus i purge myself of these things the bible says any vessel that will be used by God, it says you must purge yourself if you'll be used for honorable works in the kingdom. So there are different kinds of vessels, but not everyone is used for honorable works in the kingdom. So God says it clearly, if you will be used for honorable works, you must purge yourself of these things. So purging is, is a thing that a wise spiritual person does. You take the, for lack of a word, the, the laxative of the word, and you take it and you use the word to wash your system and you take the word of the Lord the spirit by the spirit of revelation and you begin to allow it cleanse you cleanse you cleanse you it says if you purge yourself of these things you will be used honorably in the kingdom you know it says there are vessels for honor and vessels unto dishonor so all of them are the vessels that belong to God so there are people you will see in heaven because they are born again and they are in the house of God. They have found themselves in the oikos of the Lord. You know, because they are in God's oikos, they are in God's house, of course you're going to see them in heaven. But it says even in a house, there are different kinds of vessels. In an oikos, there are different kinds of vessels. So some vessels unto honor and some vessels unto dishonor. Even says in a great house. So not just any kind of house. Even in a great house, you have vessels that are unto dishonor. So you want to ask yourself, what kind of vessel am I? You, you, you know the word for honor. Remember I taught you guys about kabod two days ago. And the Greek word for kabod is, somebody remind me. It is uh, kabod for, sorry, the Greek word for glory, which is kabod. In Hebrew, it's kabod. In Greek, it's what? Remind me. It means the opinion of God. I've forgotten the word in Greek. It's actually do doxa. Thank you, Leke. Doxa, which means the opinion of God. Is it doxa? It's doxa, right? It means the opinion of God, you know. And, um, and so it says there are vessels unto honor and there are vessels that are used to deliver what is not God's opinion. You need to understand what I'm saying. So, there are some people in this kingdom that you'll be looking at them and say, you know, I'm just going to speak against this thing that this person is doing. Some of them are anti-doxa, and yet they are vessels of God, used unto dishonor. Like, it does not carry God's opinion, does not carry God's weight, does not carry God's heart. But sometimes they are just used as a prophetic symbol of what is not, so that you will not miss what is. But yet, they are part of God's kingdom. You will see them in heaven. They are part of God's children. But why are they the ones used for that? Because they have not purged themselves. So if you find yourself in a state of dishonor, if you find yourself in a state where there are certain things that God cannot put on you, certain weight, certain glory, certain power, certain positioning, God cannot trust you with certain measures of his kingdom. He cannot trust you with influence. He cannot even trust you with the ears of people. 
So you will try, you will try, you will try. Never amounts to anything that generates a momentum or mass momentum. Because God is like, nah. And when they listen to some of the things you say, some of the things you do, some of the way you act, you just know that God cannot trust this one. But the question is, what do you do when you find yourself living with the tensors of Haman? What do you do when you realize that some of these things were ingrained in you? Nobody wakes up and says, I want to have inferiority complex. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. So when you find out it's in you, what do you do? You have to understand because this is oikonomia, house management. So you are a vessel in this house. And you want to now be made to be in charge of the house. And you want to rule with the master. And you want to reign with the master. So what do you do? You then have to purge yourself constantly. And so sometimes you just lie down and you're like, Lord, help me. Help my heart. I've gotten into a state where this, where that. Lord, I'm beginning to trust in the arm of flesh. Father, forgive me. Oh, Jesus, I see it so clearly. And sometimes you just say, Lord, if there be anything in me that does not please you, can you reveal my heart? Reveal my heart to me. Reveal the state of my soul to me. Father, I know that it is natural, natural for my heart to be deceitful. He says the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So above all the things that the heart does for you, the major thing that the heart does is to deceive you. So you are there thinking, ah, I cannot take this pain. Your heart is telling you you cannot. Because the way the heart is projecting it, it is like, ah, we die on this mountain. But you will not die. You actually will not die. You can. He says the heart is deceitful above all things. So when people say to me, ah, I don't know, I, I just want to follow my heart. Don't follow your heart, please. Follow Jesus. Don't follow your heart. Follow the word of the Lord. Don't follow your heart because many people have followed their hearts unto destruction. Especially when it's a heart that is not tamed by the word. It's a heart that is not rent in by scriptures. You know the way you ran in a horse and you put a leash on the mouth of the horse. That's the way you ran in your heart. You ran in your soul. By the word of the Lord, by the voice of God, by scriptures. And sometimes we think when I say this raining in, you feel, oh, okay, if it's stopping you from doing bad. Sometimes it may actually be something that looks good in the physical. And God is saying to you, no, you can't have it. You can't do it. You can't say, but you're like, God, it's so good. Let, let me send this person's child to Squangla. God is like, don't even church their child. Leave that one alone. Don't go there. And you're like, but Father, this is a good thing. And God is like, no, don't do it. Because only the Lord sees the vastness and the expanse of life. So your heart will beat towards the things that you judge as good. But what if before God, it is not good? Remember what I told you God uh, good is. You know, every time God will make things in Genesis, he would look at it and he would say, it is good. And when he makes something else, they look at it and he'll say, oh, it is good. And so good became the measure of the will of God. So whenever a thing was made and that thing did not showcase God's will and in the configuration of the thing, it did not have the capacity to be able to reproduce that will in future generations, it wasn't called good. So the reason why the trees were called good is because it was a reflection of the will of God. And within the tree were seeds that had the capacity to continue to multiply that good on the earth. So when God looked at man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Because that was not the true picture and reflection of the fullness of God. And also being the way that man was, that configuration of 
just man with male and female embedded within him he did not have the capacity to reproduce the standard of god on the earth so god brought the woman out of the man and you know put both of them and that was good because that's a reflection of who god is he's not male only he's not female only both is a representation of god but also with both of them existing that way they had the capacity to reproduce god's heart on the earth and so God is like, this is good. This is good. So you then begin to realize that there are some things that your heart wants to do. And God is like, it's not good to the flesh. And in the physical, it looks good. It looks great. People will tell you, wow, that is so wonderful. Like, oh my gosh, like this is such a great thing you're doing. But to God, God is like, oh man, you just truncated my will and you just truncated what I was about to do in this generation. Now you have set the kingdom back 20 years. So this is why it is important for us to always purge our hearts. When you hear the word of the Lord, don't turn it as a sword that you are first pointing towards somebody else. Take the word and point it towards yourself first and do a work in yourself so that when the enemy comes, because he will always come, he always comes remember what i taught you people about the door and i think rabbi alan touched it when he was here the first time that the door was used in the bible was in the time of cain and abel and it was when god came to cain when cain was angry that he received abel's sacrifice and he didn't receive cain's sacrifice so cain was angry so god came to him and said why are you angry if you do what is good Will I not receive your sacrifice from your hand? That means Cain did not make the effort to look for the standard of God's will in giving sacrifice. Cain gave whatever was pleasing to him. He gave whatever he wanted to give. He gave whatever was okay for him. He didn't say, Lord, what should I give? How should I give? Lord, so Cain probably may have even brought more things than Abel. You know, if why was he angry? Maybe he thought, ah, with all my efforts, you now received Abel's own. It's the same way in the kingdom. Sometimes you look at some people, you're like, ah, why is God promoting this person? But look at me, look at everything I'm doing. But you have to understand that God doesn't measure by quantity. God measures by quality of heart. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's the quality of heart that God measures for the sake of promotion. And so he looked at Cain and Cain, yeah, might have used his labor, the sweat of his brow, and probably bought a lot of his harvest. But Cain had a heart that was hardened and was not submissive and was not willing to say, Lord, what do you want? How do you want it? What, what do you see? What is pleasing before you? What is your will? And so what then eventually happened was Cain um, presenting a sacrifice and God not accepting it and here he's sulking in the corner and the Lord comes to him and the Lord says to him if you did what was good if you met my standard if you searched for my will if you took the time to say what is pleasing before you would I not have accepted your sacrifice so many times we sacrifice to God and our sacrifices do not produce results not because the sacrifice was not a lot or was not was too small or not because the sacrifice was not something we thought was quality but because it did not meet up with God's will that's why even down to things like giving you have to ask the Lord father what would you have me do
How would you have me give? Because sometimes how you give can mark the person you are giving to and can tell the person, this is what God thinks of you or this is how God wants it. Meanwhile, God may want something completely different. God may have set out to bless and spoil the person and then you come and then you truncate God's will because you are using human hair to calculate. And so God is like, oh man. And so at the end of the day, we offer up sacrifices that are not acceptable and do not produce results and do not give us blessings. Not because we didn't give at all, but because we did not give according to the measure of the will of God. So that's why a vessel that will be used in God's economy must be a person that constantly gives according to the measure of the will of God. So you must be committed to God's will. You must be committed to God's heart. You must be committed to God's position. You must be committed to God's opinion. So God then said to Cain and said to Cain, he said, Cain, you have to be careful. Sin is crouching at your door and he desires to have you. Remember, we are connecting gates with economies. So God is speaking to Cain and um, I don't know if Pastor Zika is here. Please, can you send me the study we did together on um, the generations of Cain? Um, I, I just, I think maybe it would be good to just share a bit because even the, 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 the different generations that came out of Cain were very significant. They had the sons of Cain and the names of Cain, you know, and the names of his sons up down to Lamech, all of them. If you put it in parallel to the generations of um, Seth, you begin to realize that two of them were, were telling two different stories on the earth. And how did it begin? It began from a door. So you then see that the generations of Cain formed an economy. They were great men on the earth. You know, they were so great. In fact, I think I'm going to look at it. When Pastor Zika sends it to me on WhatsApp, I'm going to open it and teach, maybe touch a bit on it because we're talking about economia and gates. So you have to understand how economies, satanic, demonic economies are introduced. So there are many people today that are rich and wealthy, but the economia of their life is not godly because the way they arrive at wealth, the way they arrive at increase, the, the things they do, the, the position they take the values that you use in running your business cannot be called kingdom business because within kingdom business the economy of your kingdom business is governed by kingdom principles and when we say kingdom we're not just talking about influential we are talking about the values and the statutes of God's will so there is God is very specific and God is very orderly God does not take just anything he doesn't take ram with one eye he doesn't take an animal for a sacrifice that is sick. God is very specific about what is acceptable before him. So if you give him things and think, oh, because I'm making money, I'm being big tight, I'm helping people to build church, then I'm, I'm God's apostle. Or this is God's economy. It's not necessarily so. So there are many things that are going to shock people. There are going to be people you will see in heaven, thank you, Pastor Zika, that have... Um, that you thought here on earth they were not as great as some but God will um, God will put them in heaven as to head like different economics uh, economies in heaven you will see them they'll be in charge of the economy of maybe seven planets and they'll be in charge of you know God will give them high-ranking positions to manage the wealth of creations and you will say to yourself ah but when we're on earth now this one no at the most 
10 million was what he had. How is this one the one that God is putting? Me that I called myself apostle in the marketplace. Because you did great works, but you did not have great values. You did great works, but you did not know the great good of God. So you arrived at money. You arrived at influence. But money and influence that the kingdom could not use. Because the foundation of it was not formed on the economia of God. It was not the way that God's economy and God's system ran. So God could not use it to execute his purpose. Or maybe he used it. Remember, their vessels unto dishonor. So maybe he used it to do certain things, but it wasn't the things that carried his glory. And so in eternity, because anything that is not eternal or does not carry eternal values, it is, is eternally useless. So there are many things that we cannot journey with when we get to heaven. We will not carry it with us because it was not eternal. Tell us what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to go, go to heaven and, and get a reward because of this cloth I'm wearing. No. But I'm going to go to heaven and get a reward for my effort to present God properly to people. So I'm, 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 I'm trying. By the time I woke up this afternoon, I was so tired. And I was like, oh my God. And I woke up praying and I was like, Spirit of the living God, you know, help me. Da, 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 da. I know I'm pouring out so much, Lord Jesus. And I was just quiet from, from, for like two hours, just quiet, just playing worship. And, you know, letting the worship sink in. And I'm just playing, you know, the whole album of revival by my brother, Pastor Chintok. And I'm just letting the worship sink, sink in. And I'm just worshiping God. And while I'm, you know, sharing doing my makeup dressing up you know then finally I'm you know hugging my sons I'm like okay I'm going for my session if I had I told my son Nathan and I was like Nathan this is the last session of access he was like yeah he said so that means I don't have any meetings anymore I was like mm, well not exactly I said I, I just will not be going morning and evening morning and evening like that he was like oh but you still have some meetings. I said, well, next week I'm running a course, you know, the shift. I said, but that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. I said, but, you know, that's just Friday, Saturday. So he was like, okay, okay. But yeah, you know, so he was happy for a completely different reason. So God will reward me for my effort for not taking you people for granted. For not taking your hearts for granted, for not taking your souls for granted, for the time spent in studying, the time spent in waiting on God, the time spent in stewarding my dreams, my visions, so that I may come here and teach a word in season. God will reward me for that. You know, but not the cloth is not eternal, so it, it, it's not going to follow me to heaven. You know, so that's why you must ensure constantly that what you are building is of eternal value and eternal relevance. If not, it's just going to be a work unto dishonor. You're just going to be a vessel unto dishonor that does not carry the, the glory of God, the opinion of God, the weight of God's throne. Now, you begin to look at what God said to Cain because we are an economia and we are on gates. So possessing the gates of economies. So God said to Cain, if you do what is good, would I not um, receive your offering from your hand? He says, Cain, you have to be careful because sin is crouching at your door and you must possess it. You must master it. Can we look at the scripture real quickly? It's in Genesis, I think. Genesis 4, maybe. Genesis 4, yes. Okay, so from Genesis 4, verse 8. 
Okay, no, 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 no. Let's just read from verse uh, 3. It says, and in the process of time. One second. Guys, are we still together? Praise Jesus. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass um, that Cain brought of fruits of the ground an offering unto God. And Abel, he also brought of festlings of his flock and of fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So the respect wasn't just unto um, Abel's offering, but also unto Abel. So Abel, um, I'm sure from that moment, you know, you could see the glory of God rise upon Abel. You know, you could see that um, the, the power of God and honor come upon Abel. Now, so, and you know, in Hebrews 11 verse 4, it says, by faith, Abel offered up a sacrifice unto God, you know, an acceptable sacrifice unto God. So the basic difference um, in what Cain offered and Abel offered, you know, was how Abel offered it unto God, you know. So, um, so and you know, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So for God to have respect unto Abel's offering, that means Abel offered that thing in faith to God. You know, he, he did not just come and just say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm used to prayer. Oh, Rebecca, send up Lord, you're going to do. But he came and he gathered himself. He had honor on God. He took the time to understand what is God's will. And he took the time to understand the words of God. He probably asked his father, what are the things that God said to you when you were in the garden? How does God, how do you know God is coming? How do you worship God? You know, all of these things. And so when he brought his offering, there was reverence. Bible says it was he did it by faith and remember faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God so that means Cain and Abel actually took the time to find out God's will he asked his father asked his mother so when he prepared an offering he prepared it according to what he had heard concerning the Lord but Abel um, Cain probably just brought religion he just worshiped his office, his church, his access. Now let's just go again. Oh, give an offering. Oh, I give 5,000 naira every Sunday. So I'm just going to pull 5K. What if God is like, I, I want something else? What if God is like, I desire a new level of fellowship from your life? What if God is like, I, it's time for you to enter into a new level of prayer? It's not the usual. So you have to take the time to find out God's will and then make an offering according to the will of the Lord. It says, and Abel... He also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. But Cain unto his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. So that means his body language, everything about him changed. He started to just behave somehow, you know. But, you know, you see it every time in church. You see it all the time. God has respect on somebody's offering and not on your own. And you start to misbehave. I see it all the time. And, you know, people's content has changed towards you. As opposed to when you see God having respect on somebody's offering, go back and ask the Lord, what have they done right? Sometimes ask the person, there's, there's something 
that makes you acceptable before God. There's something that makes it that everything you touch turns to gold. There is something you are getting right before the Lord. Because this one we can tell is God. We are not seeing the human struggle and the human effort. What is it? When you drill down to their heart, you will begin to understand the principles, the values, and the consecrations of their heart that makes their works acceptable before the Lord. So don't be like Cain, whose countenance changes towards a brother that is making progress. Because you see, once you open the door, to the, once you open the gates to the spirit of jealousy and to the spirit of anger, it eventually can lead to murder, which is killing your own brother. So when you see times of opportunities for the growth and the life of the person, you stifle it. Sometimes you can't even be the one that stands in the way so that they don't eventually keep bringing forth life on earth. So it's, it's a very vicious demonic circle, cycle that begins with why did God accept this person's own and why did he not accept my own? But in that place, you have to always go back to God and say, God, what am I getting wrong? I remember I told you about something I heard in Kenya that really, really marked me. Um, Apostle Grace Lubenga, he said, it is pride when a man goes to the mountain to seek for something that another man is already walking in, another man possesses. He said, because there are, there are things that God wants to give to the world. He gives it to a man and he passes it through to the earth. Why are you going to, to do 100 days fasting when all you can do is humble yourself and say, man of God, my ministry is entering another dimension. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to navigate it, but I see you already working in it. Teach me. Ah, my business. I, I just sense that God is about to bring us to another place where he wants us to begin to touch certain level of contracts or in our company, certain level of engagement or in my career. I can sense that God is moving me in a new direction. But And I can see that you have already possessed this gate. Please come and teach me. Can I come to you? Once every week, you know, do you have a program I can join? Do you have somewhere I can serve? Are you working on a project that I can give my energy to so that I can in that time begin to understand how you work? So it is pride when you're going to seek for something that you can get from somebody. Why? Why can't you just go to Abel and say, Abel, what am I missing? Sorry, hold on. Um, Who is that? Pass the camera, it's okay. Judah, are you going to disturb me? No. Are you sure? No noise, okay. So sit down. All right. Okay, so I have my little congregation join me <laughs> with their notepads and ready for access. But Nathan has, why don't you have any notes? Um, because you can't write. I can't. Please, you promise to not disturb me, okay? Okay. Okay, grab a pen. <coughs> Take. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> where did we stop? Hey, Congregation Z. It's, so, exactly, I was talking about having um, 
going to meet someone who actually possesses what you have you understand so that you don't have to struggle for days so king could have just gone to abel to say abel how are you doing it how, how are you able to touch the heart of god how are you able to present an offering that is acceptable before the lord now um it says god has a say go but verse five but unto king and to his offering he had no respect it says and the countenance of Cain fell. You could see it all over him that there was a controversy in his heart with the Lord and with his brother. He was angry with the Lord and with his brother. If it is that you love God so much and you really want God to accept your offering, is that the way to act? Just what I'm saying. Like it's it's such a it doesn't sit right. If it's that is that you love the Lord and you really really want God to accept your offering, what would you do? What should your reaction be? He will go back and cry and pray and kneel down and press, you know. But it wasn't the love of God that was driving him. You get, it wasn't the love of God that was driving him. Or love for God, as it were, that was driving him. Now, it says in verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrought, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at thy door, and unto thee shall his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Did you see what God said? He didn't say you shall rule over it. He called sin him. So God was not talking about a thing. He was talking about an entity. He says, thou shalt rule over him. So sin is a person. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It is the spirit. It is an entity in the realm of the spirit. So I was saying to somebody who was struggling and saying the person is married and the person is struggling with adultery. And the person will say, ah, no, but I just really, really love this person in my heart. I just don't know, you know, this one, this one. I just really feel like, you know, because my spouse is not, you know, behaving right. I listen to the struggle. I listened to the struggle. After listening to the struggle, I said, I hear you. And I understand how you can wake up one day and you are falling in love with one creature in your office. Or you are falling in love with one um, being in your, in your neighborhood, in your sports club, in your gym. I can see how it, it do happen from time to time to people. I said, but you cannot legitimize a thing simply because it's acceptable to your heart. It doesn't make it right. I said, I get it, but we have to call it what it is. I said, it is sin. And I said to the person, I said, but let me paint a picture for you to understand. I said, what is happening to you? It's not you that is stirring it up. You may have opened the door, but there is another being that is stirring it. I said, and you need to see yourself that in the spirit realm, as you are sitting here talking to me, there is this huge demonic creature behind you that is vomiting on your body that is staring you that is touching your sexual organs and staring your body onto desire that is satanic i said you have to understand that you are being chased in the realm of the spirit that you are being targeted by a demonic spirit and everywhere you go the days you want to break free the thing just comes behind you and says no and it begins to rub your hair and rub your body and you're like oh my god ah, hey god oh hey uh, what's the name amaka no go kill me hell jesus oh you are thinking it's a lie it's from the pit of hell it's a demonic staring and the moment you realize that he desires to have you and you must rule over him it's a person 
Transgression, sin, is an, it is ruled by an entity in the realm of the spirit. So God said to him, it says sin is light at the door. It says, and unto thee shall his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now the word for door that was used is the Hebrew word patak. And that Hebrew word patak is also the word for heart. It says sin is lying at your heart. So at the entryway to your heart, at the entryway to your emotion, at the entryway to your soul, sin has spread itself and has used duvet comfortable pillow and is lying down and is lying down nicely at the door to your heart he says and he desires you and you know i've taught you guys this thing that that word for desire that was used is the same word for desire that is used when a man desires a woman that hunger, that loss, that craving to be in the person, to be with the person, to be in the person's presence. I just like, ah, oh, man, I must have oh, this girl. I must have her. I must marry her. It says it desires to have you. So basically, you have become enticing to sin. Do you understand? You have become enticing to hell. You have become enticing to demonic hosts. The moment you open up yourself to a controversy that you don't allow the Lord to resolve for you. What was the controversy in the heart of Cain? He accepted my brother's offering. He did not accept my offering. He did not go back to pray and to say, Oh God, maybe I'm getting something wrong. Help me. Father, help me. He didn't present his heart. So that thing that was festering on the inside of him, what he thought was, ah, ah, the sons of Haman, ah, ah, this is me, my own uncle, my live uncle, I must promote myself, I must do my own thing, I will raise my own altar, I will set up my own government, Shabit, they don't want me, I'm going to show them that me too, I'm called by God, I'm going to, that thing that was rising inside him like the sons of Haman, it's actually an aroma that pulls the demonic host to you. He says it desires to have you. And that word for desire, when you go and break it down in the Hebrew dictionary, it is the way that a man desires a woman lustfully and longingly. He said, this is what sin wants to do with you. He says, actually, exactly. I think we studied this. He says it's like the way they want to have legal intercourse with you. That's what sin wants to do. It wants to bet baby with babies with you. It wants to possess your heart, possess your soul, your body, and makes you its womb on the earth. By which it begins to manifest through generations all the things that it wants to do. And you will see it. I will show you. It happened in the life of Cain. Life be Cain began to have babies with sin. So Cain then bet men like Lamech and all these people on the earth that became symbols and operational systems for the satanic agenda to be established in their time. He began to bet men that, in fact, I think, I don't know if Nimrod actually came from his lineage, lineage, the people that wanted to build Tower Babel. So you need to get what I'm talking about. So when you hear me say things like consecration, when you hear me say things like deal with your heart, it is because of things like this. Because every time you don't deal with the controversy in your heart, you are enticing and luring the kingdom of darkness and the host of hell to you. And then what is going to happen is that you start having babies for Satan. The initiatives you build may look great. They may look good. But as long as you are a rebel to the will and to the good of God, you become a womb system through which Satan begins to birth on the earth. I, I wish you together, people of God. So when we, uh, yes now, that is how the uh, people, it's somebody that will give birth to Antichrist now.
So you need to understand what I'm talking about. So the man of Antichrist is far, but the spirit, the Bible says, the spirit of Antichrist, which is already in this world. So there's a spirit of the Antichrist. It's a spirit because you see, you have to understand that Jesus, the man, was able to raise 12 disciples, 70 at one time, many thousands at another time. You know, he was able to do great works in the sick. But Jesus said, when I die and I go, I will give to you the Holy Spirit. And with him, you are going to be able to do greater works than this, greater things than I have done. Let me explain to you why a man presence is not as powerful as the presence of the spirit of the man because you see spirits are timeless spirits number one are timeless they don't operate with time they are not bound by time and space spirits can penetrate realm spirit can penetrate locations spirit can penetrate places and sectors so spirits are not bound number two spirits don't forget spirits have the capacity to bear full counsel and to carry information the weight of information we are the ones in our broken humanity that struggle to carry the weight of information spirits don't struggle so a spirit can remember what your father your father 10 generations away did spirits have respect for covenant spirits remember when men forget they don't forget they can bear the weight of revelation now the other thing about spirits is that spirits can control multiple regions and they can infiltrate atmospheres and the intention of the spirit is distilled upon masses so while a human being has to move from place to place a spirit can just penetrate an entire atmosphere so you need to get why you need a spirit to multiply an agenda so when people are trying to build their companies and trying to expand you know you know they say things like oh you, you know um the, the, this candidate or this person does not have the dna of the organization what does that mean the spirit of the organization because there are places you walk you catch the spirit you then begin to have it's called culture habit dna we have different words for it but the foundation of it is spirit the invisible driving force of a people is the spirit of the people so jesus said to them there is only so much i can do as long as i'm limited in this vessel but when i go i will release to you my spirit and when i release my spirit it is going to cause a multiplication to happen on the earth so you need to understand when the bible says and even the spirit of the antichrist that is now at work in this world the man of the antichrist will come and seal up every agenda of satan but the spirit of the antichrist that is already here is raising sons and daughters all over the place while some people are still waiting for the antichrist man that is coming he's already at work multiplying himself through multiple generations and establishing agendas and building sectors so the man of the antichrist is just the icing on the cake it is just the crown on the head of the the throne that has already been raised on the earth by the spirit of the antichrist are we together so um now you then begin to understand why it is important to not allow your womb to be a gateway for the demonic and the agendas of hell to enter the earth you must consecrate the womb of your heart consecrate the womb of your spirit and always ask yourself this thing what is it birthing on the earth why am i doing what i'm doing is it acceptable before god if it is not you most likely are birthing babies with the devil Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. This is not when you exit this call. Just stay with me. 
It says, sin desires to have you. It says, but thou shalt rule over him. Another version says, master him. So basically what the Lord was saying was that even though you are under attack, there is yet a way of escape and there is yet a way of mastering. And so that's why people that work with me or people that I mentor, when they are in a place where they are like, oh, I just can't, I just go, I say, listen, if the thing that is crouching at your door is going to lead you into transgressing against God's will and God's calling for your life, it is an opportunity for you to enter mastery. If you gauge it and you say, mm, this decision I want to take, I know this is not where the Lord is at. If I will be honest with myself, this is Aradata speaking. This is Aridai speaking. This is self-pity speaking. This is self-consciousness speaking. This is self-righteousness speaking. This is self-mobilization speaking. If I will be honest with myself, this is not the Lord. Even though my whole heart and my emotion is like, ah, just do it, just don't, just, you know. If I follow it, the question is, what would I be birthing on the earth? So, but if I don't follow it, it leaves a controversy in me. I don't have peace. I'm struggling. I cannot deny that I'm struggling. What did God say to him? He said, master him. Master it. It's an opportunity for mastery. Listen to me. Why is it that in the dominion mandate, God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Why was part of the dominion mandate subduing? If I was Adam and Eve and I had subdue it, I will know that there's a resident enemy in my garden. The moment you hear subdue, that means there's a real bell that is at work. That does not want to follow the laws or the legalities that have been set by the order or the governing system of the land. So the work of the police is to subdue. The work of the army is to subdue. The work of the ecclesia is to subdue. So that means there's a rebel and a rebellious spirit that is at work. So God says subdue it. Now why did he say subdue it? Because part of what they were to, meant to learn in the garden is mastery. You have to learn to master living victoriously in the midst of your enemy. You get what I'm saying? He says rule down in the midst of it. So there are some enemies that God will not take away. God said to the children of Israel, I have given you the promised land. He says, but there are giants in the land you are about to enter. Unfortunately, this time I could not get that my sister to come. But maybe we'll do a one-day seminar for access where she will just come and teach one day. We'll just pick a day in this month, Pastor Stephanie. Please, and you tell everybody, we'll just do a giants in the land. You know, and we'll talk about how to overcome the Perizzites, the Hezites, the Jebusites, the seven giants that God mentioned. Now, so he says, but there are giants in the land why will god leave giants in a land that he has given you why will god allow there to be giants to be animals wild animals in the land that he has given you why because you have to learn it's called mastery you cannot be called a master until you have perfected the art of mastery and it is only masters that people subject themselves to hear me the only reason why I will put up a flyer and say, join me for seven days. And I want to teach you about access. And you will wake up, you that you are bank MD, you that you are CEO, you that you are government official, you that when you are coming into a room, people rise up and bow to you. 
but you will get up early in the morning because one random woman somewhere in the world told you to get up and come. Then you will come at night and be telling your house, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, oh, please access is starting. And you will sit there in front of your computer. You that your salary is my one year budget. You will sit there in front of the computer and listen to me. I need you to understand what I'm talking about. It is called the power of mastery. Masters, the people that people respond to are masters. You see, because why are you doing that? Because I have mastered certain aspects of the spirit realm. And I have mastered how revelation works. I have mastered the gate system in the realm of the spirit. I have mastered doors. I have mastered certain things that gives me the authority to speak categorically about them. I have taken the time to study and I've allowed myself to go through warfare and I have sat at the doors on seasons of life where gates were shut into me and doors were shut into me and in the physical it was obvious that I was finished and I was over but somehow in the midst of seeing that desire to have me I understood that it was an opportunity for me to enter mastery so that which should have taken me down I began to use it as dumbbells in the realm of the spirit so I started to use it to build muscle so when you looked at me, all you'll be hearing is, ah, yeah, ah, I'm in pain, I'm in trouble, I'm crying, I'm in... But what was happening, spiritual muscles were being built up on the inside of me. So that by the time that I had mastered the weight, and I had mastered the struggle, I had mastered the pain, I had mastered the corruption, I had mastered the sin that sought to have me, I had mastered the voice that told me I was not good enough, I had mastered the shame and mastered the fear and mastered the weakness. By the time I was done, in the art of mastery, I became a master. So that the prayer that before I would have prayed for 10 hours to get results, all I have to do is declare and the result shows up. Because my declaration is not a rascal art. It is, it carries the weight of my journey and the weight of my pressing and the weight of my sacrifice is embedded within my word. That's why the Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. The reason why the word of the king has power is because the king is the symbol of mastery over the people. I don't know if somebody is with me. Say it, write it in your book. I must master him. I must master him. The Bible says, do not be ignorant about the wiles of the enemy. Sometimes when people are talking to me about that problem, I am trying to be compassionate. I am really trying not to be that, 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 that pastor or that friend or that um, mentor that does not understand. But the truth is, as you are talking to me, I am seeing all the wheels in the spirit that are turning against your destiny. I am seeing the interconnected network of hell and the demonic that has been set up against you. And I don't know if you will believe me if I tell you. You will not, so that you don't think that I'm trying to manipulate you for myself and my own good. So I don't know how to tell you the full counsel of God. To say, Something is sitting on your head and he desires to have you. I'm seeing it. And I'm seeing the face of your forefather on it. And I'm seeing the covenant of two generations away. So you are here telling me you want to quit your job. I don't feel like every time I go there, there's just this thing. There's just... Don't you know that they have said 
that nobody from your lineage is ever going to be able to amount to wealth. And you think that the laziness you are struggling with and this so-called depression is, is, is just a cultural thing that is happening to you. Don't you know that there is a gate and there is a door that was opened by generations of demonic altars that is yet speaking against your life? Why be weak when you can be strong? Why be sad when you can have joy? Why be afraid when you can be bold? Why run away when you can be courageous? Why? There's an option in God. Take it. Take grace. Take power. Take goodness. Take mercy. Take prayer. Why choose the weak when you can choose the strength of the king of Zion? You need to hear me. So every time I have been backed into a corner, my response is master him. Every time I have been pushed into a place of darkness, my response is master him. Came out to Belegai. Songrege di la kaparuku zeketele diga di mahai. What I preach to you is not my words. It's the word of life that I have handled. I'm telling you about a God that I've encountered. As I sit here, I tell you, there was a time in 2021 that I almost lost my mind. And I'm not joking. I was going through trauma so bad and I didn't know it had the capacity to affect my mind. One of those days, I remember waking up and I called Apostle Tommy. I was wailing. I said, my brother, you have to pray for me. I said, you have to pray. I don't know what's happening to me. I said, Jesus, I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't know how my body, my, it was, it, the, the whole thing was so bad that my entire body, I, I don't want to describe the, the, the demonic attack that was on me. Demons, a door was opened in my life and the horde of hell entered. I'm not joking. I was fighting demons one after the other, back to back. And it was the kind of warfare that another person could not fight for me. I remember one of those days I laid on the floor and I was wailing. Ah! I said, God, is this what you have done to me? Is this how you want to end my life? Is this the testimony of my life? I have served you since I was a child. I have trusted you with everything inside me. Is this what you will do to me? I was crying. And I could, not, I, I could not believe it. I said, God, how could you leave me? And this was not even about self-righteousness. This one was, ah, ah, Baba, now me and you now. There is nothing in this life that has ever made me walk away from you, my God. And so what, what is this, Lord? How could you expose me? My boast has been in the safety that I have in you. My boast has been in the comfort that I have in you, the protection of my God. I said, my king, why would you take your hand away from me? What have I done? But I did not understand that I was like Job. I thought I was self-righteous. I thought that because I did not sin, then there was no sin around me. But I did not understand that when you are a gatekeeper and when you are the marker of the decrees of the king, it's not just about you. Your entire household, your entire team, everything in your life must align with covenant. And so sometimes you can take the judgment for issues that you fail to address in the spirit, even though they were not your issues, but it was in your environment. This is the burden of a gatekeeper. This is the burden of a man that marks the will of God in generations. And so I thought in self-righteousness, I was small. That's why I cannot, you cannot be a leader working with me if you are small. And what does it mean to be small? You are always thinking about what you got right and what you got wrong. 
you take responsibility for the full scope of what is committed to your care. That is who a leader is. That is who a deliverer is. You don't just say, ah, God, me, I'm getting near this children of Israel. I don't know. You will intercede for the, you will say, God, we have sinned. That was what Daniel did. God, we have sinned. The whole of Israel, we have sinned. Our fathers, we repent for their sins. You take response. This is how you mark great men. They don't, they don't survive. Before you say, people that are always defending themselves, when I'm talking to you, you're like, hey, Mopia, I didn't keep quiet. Hear me. I am speaking to the generations on the inside of you. I am speaking to the office and the covenant that you should be carrying. Stop talking like a small child. Great people take responsibility for greatness. They take responsibility for great problems. This is the difference between people. Why you are here saying Bill Gates is a Satanist, he's taking responsibility for certain things in the nations. That's why he's great. So what he's now doing with the authority of it, Naino, who is now serving with it is different. But he will remain relevant as long as he's still saying, I want to cure polio for 500 million Africans. Sit down there. In your smallness, form a ministry around judgment. Don't impact. You will never be influential. You will never be influential. So here I was on that ground wailing and then when this attack on my mind started and I literally felt I could not control my nervous system I said what is this I was I said Jesus I have never seen anything like this I was crying what is this and I remember calling apostle I said my brother I don't know what this is I do I was crying you see eh? I've never heard Tommy speak that kind of tongues in my life you know, I was talking about British, Lord, I, I, Lord we, we thank you. That day, I had Ekpakuriyama, Ekpakuriya Keke, Ekpakuriya, my sister, Ekpakuriya. Because the, 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 the pain I was going through, he knew that this, he's an African demon. We can't address it with British accent. Do you understand? We, he, we prayed. We prayed. And it was, it, not like it stopped, it did not stop. So one day I said to the Lord, I said, God, what do I do? How do I, how do I handle this God? And God said to me, master it. I said, but Lord, he said, Isi, listen to me. He showed me my spirit realm. And he showed me my spirit as a real estate. And he said to me, he said, listen, you are a vast field. He said, you have to understand that when you have vast lands, sometimes things will encroach on your land. You have to set up security systems to chase the things out or you build wall or you set up electric lines to keep it out. He said, you have to matter. He said, will you not give out the land and just dash the things, the land and say, since that have been invaded, I'm just going to know when you know the wealth and the treasure of what you have, you fight for it. And God said to me, the hedge is broken. So the enemy has struck you. He said, but you must master him. Master it. Okay, so how does this attack happen? Physically, what, what goes on? Okay, what, what, what is the state of your heart? What is the state of your body? What do you eat? What does somebody say? How do you receive this? What is your prayer life at that time? What is your this? And God started to teach me. So I will sit down and I started to see the gates that open up. You know, when this attack happens, even down to my sleep cycle. Me of before, you know, I used to boast about how I'm a night person. Now, uh, 11 o'clock, my eye is doing like this. 
Minister Yasmin said after I taught them awaken to your purpose, she could no longer be sleeping at night uh, early again. Because before Yasmin, you'll be talking to Yasmin, telling her important truths, the deep truths of the kingdom. And Yasmin will be dozing at 8 p.m. I said, are you a child? Are you in primary school? Why are you sleeping at 8 p.m.? You can't control your eyelids. Nine, she have off. You see the way light used to off. If I have this light like this, bram, that's how she will be off like light. So, but she said after I waking to your purpose, she did the course. She, her eyes, you call Yasmin, 1 a.m. Hello, P.I. I say, ah, ah, hey, <laughs> What's happening to you? She say, ah, the thing you taught me, I can't sleep. It's like sleep I've been taken away from my spirit. But me now, down to my sleep cycle, the Lord began to show me how sleep is a gate. <laughs> and he began to show me how food is a gate. He began to show me how conversations are gates. He began to show me how emotions are gates. And he started to teach me how to man these gates. And he said that every time you are unconscious of them, you enter into a state where you become partially paralyzed and you no longer have control. So Satan, no, it's okay. Take it down, take it down. And Satan can now evade your life. And Satan can now begin to manipulate your thoughts and your emotions and the response of your body. He said, man your gates. So I went into the school of mastery and I began to understand the different components of mankind again. I started to study the soul again, study the body, study the spirit, the connection between the mind and my body. If you go to books, you will read in books, different things, books can tell you, but books will not solve my problem. They will only tell me what I already know is my problem. Oh, trauma, oh, this one, the effect of it on the mind, the nervous system. Last, last, where they want to lead me to now medication. I know they take. Jesus is my medicine. Because at the end of the day, you see those things are going to now affect your mind and your mood even more. I know they join. Anything that Jesus cannot reveal, make all of us die, go heaven. I don't know if you what I'm saying. Because it's different if it's malaria. We take malaria pillow, a headache I will take. But anything that alters the state of my mind, I don't do it all. I don't touch it. Once you alter my thinking and my decision making, I'm not touching you. Because one of the most powerful things you have as a God... Is the gate of your mind because out of your heart proceeded the issues and the affairs of your life so don't touch my judgment you know that's why the woman was saying in in, in proverbs 31 oh king lemuel it is not for kings to drink strong wine it is not for kings to take anything intoxicating he says if not he will forget his place as a king and he will not meet out judgment to the poor properly so I understand that I'm a ruler and I carry the counsel of God to a generation. So I cannot afford to allow my judgment be impaired. Because in the day where there's no war, I will declare war. And in the day where there's war, I will tell them there's peace. Because my system has become too lazy to be able to respond accurately to God's will. Are you with me? So at the end of the day, I read all the way, but I said, you know what? I, I, I thank God I have knowledge now of the circumstance, but me and Jesus are going to find the solution together. So I began to pray for the cells in my body. I began to pray for the cells, my blood, in whatever way trauma has rewired even my, my systems. Because you see, when you're going through a, a season of pain, it can even affect your health. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I know you are listening to me and saying, P.I.M., we're supposed to be with Absalom. The next thing we move to Cain. Now we're talking, but stay with me. You know that 
I will not give you bread that is not for your good. Shall you understand? You trust me, Abby. Just stay with me. So, it says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers so there's a strong connection between the prosperity of your soul and the health of your body so there are some sicknesses that we are treating with medicine that we actually have to treat with anointing oil there are some sicknesses we are treating with pills that you have to treat with one week of fasting and prayer there are some sicknesses you are treating with drip and ivy that you need to treat with deliverance service because the problem is in the soul, not in the body. So the body is a mirror of the affairs of the soul. So at this point, it was a soul affair. And it had begun to trickle down into the body, my body. And so God began to teach me again about the soul. And in one of my books, I write about how the soul is the most um, underrated part of the human component. We speak about the spirit. And we talk about, Set your spirit ablaze. Oh Lord, set my spirit on fire for you. So we have spiritually intelligent but soulish, so foolish Christians. A lot of Christians understand spirits. And they understand power, but they don't know how to translate the power in the spirit into intelligence of the soul. They don't know how to take the power of the spirit to rewire their emotions and rewire their responses and rewire the way they talk and rewire their character and rewire their culture. So when you see an extremely badly behaved Christian that is seemingly on fire but badly behaved, just know that it's a Christian that has not learned the bridge between the spirit and the soul. They have not learned to take the intelligence of the spirit into soul transformation. So they have won territories in the spirit but not territories in the soul. So you have to understand that Judas was part of the people that casted out demons. You have to understand that Judas was part of the people that Jesus would send out two by two. Judas had a partner and they went out and they casted out demons and they will come back and give Jesus reports so he was on fire his spirit was able to catch the mantle that Christ was releasing at that time and do great works but his soul see had an affection for money and it became the gate through which the enemy entered and used him as the one through which the master was sold out are we together that's why when I teach you know that many of my sermons go back to the inner parts and the inner beings and the inner workings of the soul because i found out at that point how i had many things i'll say oh it doesn't matter I don't. no i started learning does it matter to me if it matters to me i have to take it to god in prayer do not be like absalom who was dealing with a control controversy in his soul and did not know how to deal with it before the lord so you then see that in that place of prayer, the Lord said to me, master it. So when I begin to teach you about gate, and it's like, I'm, you are like, where are you speaking from? In fact, one of my friends made a joke and sent me a message. And after one of access last month, she sent me a message. She said, P.I., this is how one day when you leave this world or something, we'll just all realize that you were not really human. We'll just find out one day that, ah, she was not really one of us. Okay, that now explains a lot of things. She said, this is how you be doing. But here thinking it's wee-wee. One day we'll find out that you were not really one. I said, please, I'm 100% I'm a human being. We two people, a man of like passions. The only difference between me and many people is that while I am weeping at a problem, I am stirring up my heart for mastery.
while I am going through issues, I am staring up my heart for mastery. So in one breath, like when they told me that Judah was going to die at 23 weeks, <laughs> Judah said to me, I will not die. <laughs> Judah, you will not die in Jesus' name. It's not you of now. When you were in my tummy, that's what I'm talking about. So when at 23 weeks, they said, ah, amniotic fluid finished, baby will die. Ask them. Some of them are on this call. I called people like Yasmin. I called them. When I called them, what did I say to them? And as I was crying, Yasmin, you have to call your auntie in Geneva, the doctor. Hey, Pierre, what happened? I said, they said, they said that the baby will not. I said, but and in December, I said, the baby will not die. The baby will not die. This baby, she's like, yes, Pierre, the baby will not die. I said, when I say it will not die, it will not. So uh, you are hearing me wailing. But at the same time, I am exercising my dominion mandate. So I, I don't deny the frailties of my flesh. No, 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 no. But at the same time, I cannot enthrone my frailties above the reality of the Spirit of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was in his wisdom that he kept his eternal capacity within broken vessels. God did not make a mistake when he appointed you. He knew that you had weakness. He knew you could potentially crack at the weight of his power. He understood it. He knew that you will leak him out sometime from time to time. He knew that there will be times when his glory falls upon you. Everything will be hot. All the serpents in your life will be jumping out and you will say, ah, we are finished. He knew. How do you go from being in a shipwreck of almost 14 days, no sun, in darkness, you come out of that shipwreck and the next thing, a serpent still bites you on top. How do you explain all of that? How do you tell such a person that goes through all that, that God is with him? Judah, you can go ahead and sit down. Don't worry, you can stay. So how do you tell such a person that God is with him? You go through a shipwreck. After you come out of the shipwreck, darkness, pain, you throw out all your goods. You finally find a land and you say, ah, we have hit shore finally. After 14 days on the sea and darkness, then you gather sticks to make fire to warm yourself. In trying to warm yourself, a serpent still jumps out of that fire and still, how do you explain it? How do you tell such a person that God is with you? But listen to me. You can never enthrone your pain and struggles above the realities of the power of God. He knew that you were human. He knew you were broken. He knew you were weak. He knew you would struggle. He knew you would be attacked. He knew you were susceptible to the attacks of hell. He knew. But yet he chose to put his eternal power and eternal counsel on the inside of you. So that even though your outward man perisheth, yet in the economy of God, in the perishing of the outward man, yet the inward man can be renewed daily. This is the economy of the kingdom. While everything around you yet perisheth, you can be prospering on the inside. So that you begin to redefine prosperity to humanity. You begin to redefine strength to a generation. You begin to redefine progress and increase to a people. So that in the days of my greatest struggle were the days of my greatest victories. So that in the midst of the victories that people think will lead me to pride, it led me to greater humility. Because in the abundance of my revelation, yet there was an enemy sent to buffet me. So that it keeps me humble. So that no matter what way I enter today, I look at my infirmity and I remember I'm yet a man.
if somebody kelema kosubiaka kabiaka, eh hey, you understand what I'm talking about? You are with me, right? So you then understand how then when you hear the voice of the person and you hear the sermons proceeding out of them, you are not hearing a message. You are hearing the sound of the victories of God. You hear the sound of redemption. You hear the sound of the power of the kingdom. Why? Because what was meant to destroy them became their gymming equipment. God enrolled you in a gym by himself. You just woke up and you found out you were wearing leggings and tight shirts. And you just found out that you were going through doing exercise that you did not register for. His God. He looked at you. He said, this person is either on feet or two feet. So the weight you have been carrying is no longer giving you muscle. He stepped it up a bit. And then he hit his chest in heaven. And he says, I trust Osai. She will not leave me. No ma and they say, God, are you sure it's not too much? God, and he said, listen, he made it. The reason why some of you had is the boast that God has made of you in heaven. He has boasted about you. He told them, watch, 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 watch. Did you hear? The Bible says that through us, that the manifest wisdom, manifold wisdom of God may be made known to principalities. So basically, Sha, you are heaven's curriculum that God is using to teach the angelic host and to teach principalities and the sons of Elohim about his wisdom. So when they want to teach now, they are going to class in heaven. So say now, open to the book of Isi Ganeba. Does anybody have that textbook? Angels, do you have it? Okay, open to Isi Ganeba. Um, we're, we're, we're studying from chapter 5 of her life, her days in Ghana. Um, are you there? All right. So this is your assignment. You're going to give me um, a four-page document about how she navigated the seasons of education and um, growing in ministry. Um, so if you notice, there are four core lessons you're going to learn from Isi Geneba. Number one, curriculum for the angels. The newspaper in heaven is you that is there. When God is boasting, he doesn't boast with lightning, earthquake, thunder. That is not God's greatest boast. God's greatest boast are his sons. God's greatest boast is you. Have you considered that for a minute? Before you step away from righteousness and righteous responsibilities, consider that God is boasting with you. Your mastery is a tutelage for angelic hosts. The way you master things. They don't know the kind of struggles we will know. You understand? So you they look at us and say, ah, ah. they are his sons, they are his boasts. Yet now then they suffer pass. Eh, Jesus, that is his son, he set an example for us now. See the way they flogged him. They tore his cloth, made him naked in the public, hung him like nothing, like a dirty rag. People spat on him. That's your master. How can you then think that you will have a Christianity that is without shame? A Christianity that is without floggings and dealings? A Christianity that is without persecution and hangings? Who told you that? But yea, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Christ! Hey, hey! You need to understand the kingdom of God. When you understand the kingdom of God, you will dance at the face of adversity. You will wake up in the morning, you will be crying, oh. Because your body and your soul cannot deny that you are in pain. But as you are crying, you'll be dancing. Ah, Oloruagbaye, oh, you are mighty. 
Oh, Lord, you are mighty. How do they say? She be in one of for Joru Shashobora. You are the one that use the disguise and the clouds. You use and do cover clothes. You understand? You use it to do mantle. Jesus wears, <laughs> he wears the clouds like a garment. You say, oh Lord, God of all the ages, you are mighty. Oh. You understand what I'm talking about? It redefines your perspective. It's called mastery. By the time you master it, you enter authority. Do you think that in all the wisdom and all knowing ability of Elohim, that the conversations that the serpent was having with Eve, it took him by surprise? You just answer that question. Do you think that that conversation took God by surprise? Do you think that God that created Lucifer did not know the inner workings of his being? And God did not know what triggers him. You think that he did not know when Lucifer saw man naked and unashamed and saw them walking in dominion and power and saw the way that Adam was ruling every animal that God brought to him, he judged it accurately. Every animal. In that exam, Adam got 100 over 100. God will bring lion, he will call it. God will bring cat, he will call it. He says, and whatsoever he called them was what they became. So Adam showed a certain level of dominion by his ability to accurately distill and communicate the will of God and gave life to all things. And the things he gave life to were good because it was the same way God would have named them and given them life. Satan saw everything. Then he now saw double double. A woman now joined. He now saw that these people have now created a multiplication system on the earth. The two of them will now give birth to more gods and more masters. <laughs> you think God did not know that it would trigger Lucifer? He knew now. So while that conversation was going on, the Lord was like this. How is Eve responding? What is Adam doing? How are they doing this thing? So will he tell her to stop? Is he going to save her? Okay, by the time Eve ate the fruit, he looked at the man. Let me see how he will respond. The man, instead of turning to God, went, he said, he looked at Eve, looked at her from head to toe. Remembered his days when he was alone in the garden, no, no wife, no girl. And he looked at her, he said, if she fall, I follow, we died here together. In, in his own lame human attempt, and shook head inside, two of them, my God, they fell. Ah, God looked at the matter. Well, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was already slain. He had already made provision for their failure. So by the time he came to Adam, Adam, where are you? There was nothing that escaped the eye of the wisdom of God. Nothing. So, but why? Because it was opportunity for mastery. Until you have mastered a thing, you cannot be given the authority of a master. Do you know what I'm saying? So the reason why you get a master's degree is because you took your BSc degree a notch higher. And you went to school and you focused on one area. So you did BSc and you were taught many things. But by the time you entered master, you then took one part of that BSc and then you mastered it. You went through series of curriculums learning in that area. After you have completed the curriculum and you have presented your dissertation, which is a show of your opinion of the matter, your full counsel on everything you've been taught is in your dissertation. And they've gone through the dissertation to see your mind 
concerning the thing that you were studying for one or two years, then they now say this one is good. Then what do they now give you? They now give you a certificate that says you are now a master. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So until you have that certificate, you cannot walk into an office that puts that the only thing that will give you this job and this pay grade is a master's in. Until you have that certificate, you cannot go and get that authority. So even though man was designated to have authority according to the will of God, but it was their mastery that was going to give them or validate the authority that God will place on them. I feel like I've lost you people, but if you are here, say Pierre, we get it. And so the reason why he permitted that conversation was because that was their schooling, their curriculum. And they were, he was looking out for their response as their dissertation. What is his response? That would determine whether all the things he's been teaching them in the days that he was coming down and having conversation with man in the garden and talking to them, the way they respond would now determine if they've entered mastery. And until they enter, they complete it and say to Satan, no, God said we should not eat it. He didn't say we should not touch it. He just said we should not eat it. Ah, but if you eat it, you'll be like God. If they say, no, we're already like God. We don't need anything because we're made in his image and in his likeness. And Satan comes again, they give them another. Satan comes again, give them another one. Satan will leave, him for his, leave them for a season. Then God will come and say, now you have become masters of the garden. Go and fill the whole earth. So it was a season of promotion for them, but they failed. The same way that Jesus, he had to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. After fasting, all the things he learned during his season of fasting had to be tested. So he went to his own dissertation season. Where Satan came, turn stone into bread, man shall not live by bread alone. Then Satan came again, why don't you jump from this high mountain? Abisha, be God, you are his son, he will catch you. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Okay, come now, look at all the things I will give to you. Bow to me, I will give you all the kingdoms. Thou shalt worship no other God. He responded, and when he finished, the Bible says, and Satan left him for a season. But what was that thing he went through? It was mastery. So the Bible says he came out of the, whole, of the wilderness, filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Walking signs and wonders, doing good everywhere he went. So what gave him the authority to begin to walk in the kind of power that he walked in, that we see in those three and a half years, he got it in the test that he passed in the wilderness. So you then have to understand that the mastery is for authority. The mastery is to give you power. So when I sit here now and they tell me, Pierre, in this nation, this one is a Pierre, what should we do? And I'm like, hmm... What am I checking inside me? I'm not thinking, oh, should I talk? I'm, I'm checking the workings that I have learned by season and journey with God. Because mastery is a well of information, a well of knowledge, a well of experience. And when you connect the dots, it affects your decision-making system. So when you see a person's decision-making system, it tells you what the person has mastered and what they've not mastered. It's very simple. It just tells you what they've mastered and what they've not mastered. Hmm. Hmm. 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. Nathan, please take your brother to your father or to the nanny, okay? I need some quiet, okay? Okay, fantastic. All right. No, you didn't lose audio. Please shut the door properly. Thank you. You didn't lose audio. I was just dismissing the kids to go to their go to bed. All right. So let us continue. Let us continue. So mastery. So God said to him. It said, he desires to have you, but you must master him, rule over him. And that word for sin um, is the word that means to miss the mark. Look, I, I could teach this whole sermon for two weeks. Um, but basically what God was saying is that the one, the person who is in charge of him, who has missed the mark, and is in charge of helping people miss the mark. He's looking for you. Basically, the gatekeeper over rebellion and over the anti-governmental systems that rise up against God. He's desiring you. He's lusting after you. So, and you know, to miss the mark means that there is a mark. There is a mark of God for every man's life. And there are, there's, there's a being that comes to make you derail. So that God has said to you, your prosperity is in Nigeria. God has said to you that your increase is in Jamaica. And the one that comes to make a person miss the mark starts to whisper into your ears for three years straight. Ah, you don't really like this place. So this nation is no good. You can't do this. This is too much. He begins to whisper. And then after three years, you will not carry your bag and go where God did not send you. So in that place, maybe you are making more money, you are enjoying life, but you have lost the foundation of who you are. And the very things that God could have worked in you, he can no longer work in you. Why? It's called missing the mark. So missing the mark doesn't mean that you now turn to a prostitute on the street, or you now turn to a man that is, you know, worshipping at demonic altars. No. It just means that you can continue to serve God, you can continue to sing your songs, you can continue to go to church and be an usher, but you have now been misplaced and you have left your original boundaries that were set for you by God. So what God was saying to Cain 
was not that Cain you will die. No, 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 no. God wasn't saying that Cain um, you will not. No, no, no. Basically saying that Cain, this thing, this thing that you think is just, you, you know, you're just getting angry. You don't know what's going on. You just don't like it anymore. I just, just feel like, you know, this is not the way things should be done. You see that thing, that controversy. If you don't take it and subject it to the Lord quickly, what is going to happen is that the one that is now lusting after you is not going to begin to lead you into certain decisions that will derail you from your designated paths that God has allocated for your life. So you'll be living, growing, increasing, but you are out of the will of God. And once that is happening, you become a womb system through which Satan reproduces his will on the earth. So, but God said to him, it is an opportunity for you to what? Master. It's an opportunity for you to master. All right. So, and that was the first time we saw door. And then you then begin to realize why was God saying that sin is crouching at your door? Because um, God was saying that you have, there's an opening on the inside of you, Cain, to future generations. And this opening, you must take care of it. If not, the things that can come out of you will not be the things that God wants. Please, Pastor Stephanie, can I share my screen? I need to share my screen real quickly so that I can show you guys the study that me and Pastor Zika, we did. Praise God. Does anybody want to see that? Do you want to see it? Tell me in the comment section. Let me show you. Yes, chosen says, P.I. Show us, teach us this thing. Reveal to us that which we ought to know, P.I. <laughs> As you can see, I love teaching, right? You can tell that <laughs> I enjoy myself when I'm giving knowledge. Okay. It's like only five people are awake on this call. Uh -huh. Fantastic. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go there. So let me share my screen. I hope they've given me share screen ability. Ah, before I go and share the one you're not supposed to see, oh God, I beg. Okay. Okay. So, all right, we're here. Okay. Can you guys see my screen? So, Pastor, all right, fantastic. So, Pastor Zika and I were doing a study a while ago, and we were studying um, the difference between the line of... Why, why are all these things blocking me up and down? All these Zoom things. Uh -huh. We're studying the difference between the line of Cain and the line of Seth. Now, you know, if you go further down, there's so much inside Genesis 4, so much that we could teach and we could pour out. But when you look at Genesis 4, you then see further down that, you know, um, God, he then killed his brother while they went out to the field. All of the words here are typology. So them going out to the field and he killing his brother. And he says, the blood of your brother is crying out from the ground, you know, and all of that. And then God drove him out from the face of the earth. And then he said, put a mark on me. All of these things, maybe one day I will just teach you Genesis 4. There are a lot of typologies, symbols, and all of that embedded in their life. But you then see in verse 25... Genesis 4.25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth, for God said she had, for God, 
she said, um, he had appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. That is a very, very significant statement. And, you know, so um, basically she was saying that there was something that was meant to come into the earth through Abel. And you remember Abel was now, when seeing that the things I taught you, then realized that Abel was not just a guy, but the state of Abel's heart, you know, Abel's consecration, Abel's desire to know the will of God and to do the will of God, all of that was very significant. So he says, instead of Abel, God has now given me another son in his stead to now represent the will of God and to represent the economy and the economy of God on the earth. I remember God has spoken to Cain about his own door and said to Cain, Cain, your door is about to be possessed by sin and future generations that will come out of your door. Remember, I taught you about gatekeepers and I taught you about a uh, main gate and smaller gates. So how a big gate bets multiple smaller gates. So he said, Cain, listen, you must keep this big gate because other gates are about to be born out of you. So we then begin to see the generations of Cain. Let's look at Cain real carefully. Um, Cain literally means pos possession, acquire or spare. Um, so a spear is acquired is the meaning of the name of Cain. Um, so Enoch means dedicated, Enoch, Enoch means dedicated, disciplined, trained. It's not the Enoch we know. It's not that Enoch oh, that gave birth to Methuselah. That's not him. This is a different person. Um, it says, uh, so it means, um, dedicated, disciplined, trained to train as Enoch from set lines translated. Anyway, so in gave it to another person called Irad, which is flat, runny, wild ass, fugitive, um, a wild donkey. Mahujahel means means smitten of God, destroyed of God. Methuselah, which means who is of God, a man. Sorry, Methusael, not Methuselah, who is of man, who is of God, man of God. Um, basically like false gods. So Lamech means powerful. Lamech was the one that said, Cain has slain, slain one. Me, I will slay seven. Nothing is going to happen. You know, so this was Lamech's boast. To be strong and robust because he was strong. He gave birth to another son called Jabal, which means stream of water. Um, Jabal, he now gave, gave birth to Jubal. So Jabal gave birth to Jubal, which means stream. Then, then Jubal gave birth to Tubal Cain, which means thou will be brought of Cain, Cain's offspring. Now, when you put all the names of the generation from Cain down to Jub Tubal Cain, because it was at Tubal Cain that the flood came. So Tubakain's time um, from, from Lamech all the way down to Tubakain was the era of Noah. So it was within Tubakain's time that the flood then came and God dealt with it. So from Cain to Tubalcane, God was telling an entire story and Tubalcane was the summation of the judgment of God over the lineage of Cain. You are with me. So when you then read it together, it then says, a spare acquired to train a wild donkey to wipe out false gods by water who carry Cain's fruit. So a spare acquired to train a wild donkey to wipe out men by water who carry Cain's fruit. There's another, if you, if you put it um, differently, basically what God was speaking, it says a spare is acquired to train, um, and you know wild donkeys, actually speaking about wild the ones that are out of order to train the wild donkey. It says to wipe out false gods by water. 
the false gods who came from Cain's offspring. So from the moment Cain refused to master it, God began to tell an entire story that he was going to raise wild donkeys on the earth and going to raise men that will serve false gods. But God is going to wipe them out by water. He's going to wipe out Cain's offspring. Is somebody, did somebody see that? Did somebody see that? That's why when I'm talking to you about gates and I'm talking to you about covenant and I'm talking to you about purity and purification, you have to understand why these things are important. And when I tell you things like a man is a gate, and I tell you things like you must possess the gate of your soul, because you are telling the story of generations by the decisions you make today. Now, when you go into um, the offspring of Seth, you begin to see that Adam gave birth to Seth. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Seth gave birth to Enosh. Enosh means mortal. Gave birth to Kenan. Kenan means sorrow. Gave birth to Mahalalel, which means praise God or the blessed God. Then Mahalalel gave birth to Jared, which means descent, you know, or to come down. In, then Jared gave birth to Enoch, which means teaching or disciple, discipline or discipled. Enoch, Enoch gave birth to Methuselah, which means man of the darts, which means um, basically his death shall bring. Then Lamech, in Methuselah gave birth to Lamech, which means despairing, and Lamech gave birth to Noah. Have you seen how the names of the children are almost similar? You see, where one had Enoch, one had Enoch. Where one had uh, Mahujahel, another one had Methuselah. When one had Lamech, another one too had Lamech. You know, you see that the, it's almost like it's a mirror image, sort of, but opposite. Now, you then read the generations of Adam and Seth, read what their names mean. It means man is appointed um, to be mortal, to die in sorrow but the blessed god shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest come on look at that man is appointed to be mortal and to die to have sorrow but the blessed god shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest so all the way from adam and seth Set another man that allowed God to possess the gate of his heart. He became a replacement for Abel. All, all the way from them going down. When one person opened a godly gate, God was then able to raise a conversation and a prophecy in the spirit concerning Christ coming down. He says, teaching that his death shall bring. Whose death? Jesus Christ. His death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest but also one thing you have to also understand is that methuselah was the one that lived the longest but it was methuselah died i think at 987 or something but part of the prophecy about methuselah is that when methuselah dies he's the man of the dark like an arrow that hits the ground in the death of methuselah is going to be the end of the world so even though Methuselah was still alive at the time of Noah, but when Methuselah died, that was when the flood happened. Is somebody with me? The death of Methuselah was the mark of the end of the time. So his death shall bring. That was the literal figurative prophecy about him. But it is also a prophecy about Christ, that his death brought the despairing comfort and rest. You have to see why it is important for us to allow God to possess the gate of our lives.
And why it is important, why was it important that um, Abraham became a teacher to his children and to his children's children? Because this is how covenants are transferred. This is how godly lineages are born. This is how God begins to tell a story from one generation to another and prophesy to the ends of the earth and the heavens concerning his will. I, I love God. God is like a very magnificent poet. You know, poets tell stories and poetries, but they don't have the power to bring it to life. But God is life in itself and he's also a poet. And, you know, so he tells beautiful stories and allegories through his words. And, but he uses the lives of people. So he's like also a painter and an artist that is painting a picture. But his canvas is the earth and his brush is destiny. And the colors are the lives of generations. So he paints a picture. He's using each generation. And at the culmination of time, we see the picture of his victory and his dominance that he is painting. Do you understand? So, because he's a life-giving spirit, he has the ability to give life to his colors as he's painting them. So that's why it's important at every point in time, when you begin to talk about gates, economy, power, this one, all the things that drive us, just always ask yourself, who am I and where do I stand in the will of God? And that's why when I, I talked about the um, luminary, my mentorship program for the 12, and I said that the first thing I'm going to do with them that first month is purpose. And these are the kind of teachings I would teach them. Because you see, when you see people and the strength with which they work, just understand that there's a revelation that is driving every great man. Everybody that is working in any form of authority, there's a revelation driving this person. And it's not usually one revelation. It is an accumulation of knowledge, an accumulation of times of study. Nobody sent me to be studying Lamekan. Nobody. It was, do you understand? Nobody sent me. It is a desire to understand the path of God, the ways of God. So why I, I say that these 12, I want to point to them because by the time they are done, something would have opened up in their spirit that makes you, in fact, the way you bring government to everything in your life will change, will completely change. So these are the kind of things that we are going to be teaching and we're going to be learning and we're going to be understanding the power of knowing where you stand in the midst of the eternal will of God. How do you locate yourself? What is the compass that enables you know where you are? How do you measure? You know, these are the, the kind of things that, you know, we're going to be learning. Any questions, please just send it to Pastor Stephanie. These are the kind of things that, you know, we're going to be looking. Measurements of purpose, of will, of understanding, times and seasons. Because it's very important. Because you can be great today and can be nothing tomorrow if you don't understand the power of purpose. Very simple. Very, very simple. I have seen it happen. People that one day, they are high flyers. And the next day you can't find them. What happened? They just didn't understand the basic principles of life. All right. Um, let us jump back to um, Uncle. What's his name now? What's his name? Absalom. Uncle A.B. Let's go back to Uncle A.B. Uh, where's that note now? Don't leave me yet, oh. It's the last day of access now. Let's access it. 
you understand let's just access this thing together okay all right so absalom we then see absalom's conspiracy you understand because we're talking about possessing the gates and i, I was teaching about in possess <laughs> possessing the gates you have to possess the spirit realm you have to possess your priesthood i'm laughing at the journey that <laughs> I'm not I'm just laughing at the journey of access and how we haven't yeah you know yeah yes but it's okay we're just going to continue you understand we'll just keep going we'll just keep going I uh, will just keep going uh-huh because there's nothing I can do about it I will not lie to you I will not reduce God so that I can accommodate time time will have to expand for us uh -huh. So ah, we can't do more. Uh, if we we can't touch Mordecai today, just leave Mordecai. Mordecai is an entire curriculum. You understand? So let's just humble ourselves and just this AB that we have. Let's just hold Absalom. You understand? Uh -huh. So Absalom's conspiracy. We started yesterday, <clears throat> and it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men you know to run before him and Absalom rose early and stood beside the way of the gate and so it was when we we're talking about Absalom rising early that we began to teach about time and I began to tell you about the power of knowing the time to show up the time to show up the time to show up write it in your book there's a time to show up so the many the reason why um, sometimes some people, thank you, Kanayo. The reason why sometimes some people it feels like uh, you are not paying money and paying communication team and paying people to put your name out there, you are paying Forbes, you are paying everybody so that they will recognize you, is because you miss the season to show up. Are you are you with me? There is a time to show up because after a while you would have lost the audience and you would have lost the interest and you would have lost the staring of a season so there is a time when there are particular things that are staring in the atmosphere so for example ah let me not go there it's too personal circle of 12 i will share it with you there i can't share it here I wanted to share about a time I missed, a season I missed, but it's one of those things that can be easily misunderstood. But um, there is a time for you to rise up and to put your best foot forward. It is not the time, and you know, and, and I see it so easily. You know, sometimes in some people that are working with me, what I'm seeing in the spirit is their time of emergence. But what they start to feel is overboarding, over this one, I can't do AP, I just feel, I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you don't get it. You are almost there. Like, I literally see you. All you need to do is tip the scale just one more time and you have entered the domino momentum. You see that domino effect? Where after you push that one, everything else begins to fall open. You just have to tip it one more time. And I'm trying to get them to tip it one more time. And the person is like, oh, P.I., you know, I can't. Uh, 
sorry, Kachuama is okay. You made me host, that's why I'm seeing people entering the waiting room. So, can you unhost me? I don't want to see people waiting in the meeting room to be admitted. All right, so, um, you know, and I'm like, if you can just tip it just one more time. You are about to enter the season where it just starts to flow on its own. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You know, so I, I, I see it sometimes. And so what Satan does is that the time where you were about to enter the kind of momentum that necessitates acceleration, uncontrollable acceleration, acceleration that cannot be caged by men, Satan will then come for your heart. Satan will come for your mind. Satan will come for your spirit. Satan will come for your soul. The kind of, the kind of um, weakness you didn't used to have, you start having it. Hey, let me tell you, who. last you see this access is you see the you. It, <laughs> the reason why I'm pushing this access eh, is because it's God's redemption for me. It's a redemption time for me. Access was first last year September. Who remembers? We thought about gates in the spirit realm. Can you, I'm sure Pastor Stephanie remembers. September last year was the first time God said, Easy, I'm opening gates in the realm of the spirit. I'm bringing people into this. We did it for two weeks in September. And we, we, we thought, we prayed, yes, the door, the great and effective door. Yes, yes. what it was called, the great and effective door. Last year, September. September. But guess what? Hey, <laughs> You know, there's a thing that follows that thing. When I taught it, I used the scripture in First Corinthians. A great and effective door is open unto us, but there are many adversaries. My God, I saw the adversaries at the door. September scarred me. Eh? September last year, like the kind of adversity I dealt with, I had never in my life experienced a thing like that. And guess what? It has taken one year for me to master it. And then God now started declaring again in July. I'm opening door, gates, door. And when God started, I was afraid. I said, God, I beg, I beg, I beg. I'm not, I don't want to near door. I don't want to near gates. The last time you started this gate matter, I know what I dealt with. See the scar. See, see, check my neck. It's still there. God, I'm not doing with you. And God said to me, see, let's go again. He said, now you are better. That time you were naive. You preached it as a sermon. You did not declare it as a reality. He said, now it's going to be a reality. Now you can fully communicate the power of it because you have lived it out. He said, let's go again. He said, that enemy that was at the door that toppled you last year, it cannot topple you again because now you get it. Aha. So when I enter, that's why when we enter September, I was spitting fire. Every prayer I was praying, I was praying for, don't think it's you. I was praying for myself. I say, ah, ah, man of God, no, they make mistakes, the same mistake two times. Do you understand? You can't make it twice now. It's shameful. So I had to gather myself quickly. God, as in gather myself. So by the time I was teaching access this year, I knew that Satan was coming for me. But I said to him, I'm coming for you too. We are going to come for each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? But this time I will not fail. I will not break. And I will not disgrace God. Let's do this. So, I know that there are certain victories I'm entering now that I am one year late for. Can we just talk about it? I'm one, behind schedule one year. So, if you are looking at me and you think, ah, P.I., the way you are just going, uh, 
Me, I understand. In my Kairos calendar, one year behind, it is by the redemption of God and by the power of the eternal one who is not bound by time that I'm able to go back and redeem the blessings of a year ago. Do you get what I'm talking about? Because the day that the thief is caught, he has to pay back at least 10 times. So when I declared unto you the blessings of seven seasons, I know what I was talking about. In fact, me and Pastor Stephanie started doing a study on the blessing of seven seasons. So by the time we have cooked it well, I will, I will teach it the blessings of seven seasons. I knew what I was talking about. Because there's a thief that has been caught at the door. He's been captured at the gate. Because through this teaching, Something is happening in your life, believe me. And God is laying hold. So, there's a season to show up. So, the reason why this access, eh, the reason why I show up, eh, I, I'm not missing anyone. No. There are times when I am, I'm like, God, everything inside of me, Lord, please help me. Before the class, I'm dragging myself, but I show up. Because there is something in this, there's a rich deposit of opportunity and promotion in the realm of the spirit. You are standing right at the head of a gate. Please hear me. And it is men who show up at the gates that authority is given to. It is men who show up in the right times and seasons that acquire the power to run economies. Please show up. I beg you, show up. No matter what you do, this is not the season to misbehave. This is not the season to follow woman that is not your wife. And this is not the season to follow man that is not your husband. This is not the season for you to, uh, God gives you an idea. You wake up in the night, you saw a technology while you were sleeping. And you woke up, you did not write it down. This is not the season for that kind of foolishness. When God tells you in this season, go and buy that building. My sister, go and buy it. Show up. Show up. This is the season where you allow the gifts and the callings of God to make themselves manifest in you. Show up. This is the time when they tell you, oh, uh, um, this person wants to see you. This, you show up. This is not the time to turn down authority and power. My brother, show up. Is somebody hearing me? Because you are standing at the head of a gate. And when you stand at the head of a gate, the decisions you make, the counsel you bring, the actions you take, determine if you'll be given entrance into the riches and the wealth of the city. So if we are going to possess economic gates, we must be men that know the time to show up. What was Absalom coming for? Absalom was coming for the entire economy of Israel. Absalom was coming for the throne that we give him the right to rule the wealth of Israel. Rule the people, rule the systems, rule the religion, rule everything. But Absalom knew when to show up. The Bible says Absalom rose up early. Why didn't he go in the afternoon when the sun was hot? He would have lost the attention of the people. An idea has got a season and a time. An initiative has got a season and a time. Please let it show up at the right time. Present it before the right people. Stay up all night and prepare. Any document you are preparing this season, please give it your best. Any idea you are working on in this season, I tell you, give it your best. 
because you are standing at an open door. You are standing at a time of transition. You are standing at a gate of exchange. You are standing at a season of trade. This table that you are sitting on is the table where kings are made and people of authority are ordained. Please show up. This is not the time when somebody will malign your name and you say nothing. Show up big. Call for a meeting and bring five witnesses and say, please, I want to address this matter. You said, why? Because your name is about to receive authority. So they're about, they're trying to smear your name so that when the day of promotion comes and they Google you, people will say, ah, no, this one we can't. Show up. Show up. They even put a press release about you. Put another one out. Show up. This is the day when somebody will tell you, um, you know, is there anything you are doing? Don't say, well, we're just a humble group of people. It's a lie. We are doing great things. We are touching nations. We are reaching people. We are training kings. We are rebutting things. We are declaring the will of the God. We are, we are raising women of power and authority. There is a season to boast. Don't you know it? There is a season to boast about the goodness and the power of God. It's not every day you do it. But there is a time. There is a season to show up. There is a season to declare your power. There is a day to show your strength. There is a time to stretch yourself because you are standing at the gate. At the gate, they ask questions. Who are you? Who is your father? What covenants do you carry? How many enemies have you slain? Who, which king has been enthroned by your counsel? At the gate, they are asking these critical questions. Because gates speak, speak about leadership. Gates speak about authority. Gates speak about dominance. Gates speak about power. A man that cannot meaningfully and strategically present the good of his life when he's standing at a gate, you cannot give that man authority. Do you understand what I'm talking about? There's a season to hide. The Bible says to everything under the heavens, there's a time and there's a season. There's a day to embrace. There's a time to push people back. There's a season where you allow people into your life. And there's a season when people will say, what's going on? She's just shutting everybody out. It's okay. Another season will come where you will open up your doors and your life. But for this one, auntie, uncle, hide yourself. There are some soups you are cooking this season. Cook it well. And then show up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absalom understood this. And Absalom rose up early in the morning. You remember I taught you people yesterday how Absalom showed up. Absalom prepared his, him chariots and horses. Not one, no. Not two. And 15 men to run before him. He prepared chariots and horses for 15 men. Galloping. Is there war? Who is coming? That means, if, it, if you were to look at it, maybe in Nigeria today, that means he put a, what do they call those people? With sirens, escort, police escort. He put sirens, escort, motorbikes, motorcade went ahead of Absalom. So, have you seen a motorcade before when a president is coming? An entourage. Where is your entourage? Sometimes when I'm entering nations, you, you'll be saying, ah, ah, but Pierre, why are 15 people following you? Oh. Oh, Mokoko, you don't understand. There's a way to show up. There are certain places you enter, you have to show up properly. You have to show up. When the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, what finished her? Remember, among the richest people in this world, eh, Solomon was one of them. Queen of Sheba was one of them. 
one of the richest people that have ever lived. Now, here is an extremely wealthy woman going to see an extremely wealthy man. This extremely wealthy woman carried extreme wealth of gifts to go and give another extremely wealthy man. In fact, I'm saying it like this so that please mind the kind of friends you have. There's a season to have friends where you're always complaining about no money. But there's a season to dwell with wealthy people. The way wealthy people cheat things is different. Poor people used to man money to everything. Ten cobble, one cobble. Hey, who, who, I, I gave you five naira to go to the market. So this 20 cobble that was remaining that you're supposed to use to buy no cube. You didn't buy. Where's my 20 cobble? The wealthy man doesn't think like that. He would just first of all systematize the whole house. And put a system in place for the money and the monitoring and the building and the uh, so he uses his time and his mind to produce wealth unspeakable while you are still stuck and like i told you people yesterday there's it means there's one thing to be stuck and there's another thing to be stogged you are still stogged on two cobble while the wealthy man is multiplying millions there's a way there's a thinking and a culture of the wealthy so there's a time for everything there's a time to rewire your mind. There's a time to re there's a time to grow up. Just I'm saying. In fact, this evening I was meditating on the process of growth, and I, I think about how at the seasons where I grow up, I tend to lose people. And when you hear the things that the people say, you are like, "Come on now, you, there's no no facts to what you are saying." Do you understand? If you want to validate it, it's not true. It's just something else inside of you that was lying to you. And you just agreed because you just said, eh, because look at her, I'm sure that now she's now. But it's not true. If you came to me and we spoke, you will know that nothing has changed. My heart is yet the same. But the outworking of the grace of God on my life has to change because the season has changed. Now, I was thinking about it and I was like, Holy Spirit, why does this tend to happen? He said to me, he said, because many people don't allow themselves to learn. And they don't take down the wisdom that they learn in seasons. So foolishness can easily plague their heart and they miss the mark. Because they never steward knowledge. So if you are a good steward of knowledge, it will be hard for foolishness to take you down. Now, God was not saying to me, why? He said, because this knowledge you are talking about is in everybody's life. But they refuse to see it. Have you? And God said to me, everybody that has a child has seen this happen. You see, you watch your children grow and transform. There was a time when your child, your son, is all over you, jumping around you. He wants to sleep inside. If I yesterday I told Judah, I said, Judah, do you want to gum your soul with my soul? Do you want to assess my soul? Why are you, 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 if I, when he, he, he jumps on my body, he'll first put his hand inside my cloth. Then he wants to put his head inside my cloth. I say, Judah, what is it? What is it? It's your father that God said, two shall become one flesh. Not me and you. You are my child. You are meant to leave me. You know? So, there's a time for that. While Judah is doing that, what's Nathan doing? Nathan is just sitting in the corner and laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, uh, you know, he's just smiling like a, like a big boy. You know, like a 10-year-old boy. You know? But there was a time when that was Nathan. And then slowly and surely, Judah is going to morph. A time is going to come when Judah will see me and give me a big hug hey mommy and sit down beside me and hold my hand her mom how are you doing and he hold my shoulder he will not be trying to enter my cloth again that time is just going to be awkward so will i now be saying because judah 
is not trying to assess my chest. He's not my son. He doesn't love me anymore. His heart is the same. He is still my son. But because of growth, he has to change the way he presents himself to the world. When they now become 20, 22, 25, the way they present, the way they even talk is different. So just because the child is no more saying, Mommy, but I love you so much, doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He still tells you, Mom, I love you. He's just not saying, I love you the way he used to. So it's a wisdom that is already in the world. But we, are, we, 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 we adjust, we see our children going and we adjust and we recognize that this is growth. We recognize what it is, this is growth. And we, we honor it and we respect it because we now also start putting boundaries. Do you understand? You now start knocking on their door when you want to enter. This same baby that you watched is bum for many years. Now, he's now becoming a certain age. You say, come on, mom, knock. Ah, you too, you will knock. Even though the thing you are knocking, you have already seen. But you will knock. Why? Because he's growing. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he's no longer your son. It doesn't mean you no longer have authority. So you also begin to now grow in the knowledge on how to engage him on this level of life. You know, so, I mean, I've had uh, a friend that once just dropped me. And I tried, I tried. So finally, once I was like, what happened? After years, and the person finally said to me, well, the truth is, you grew. And I just felt like there was, I didn't have anything to give to you again. You know, there was no need for me in your life. I was like, what are you talking about? I said, but you know how much I treasure my core, my foundation, the people that I can scatter ground with. You can eat about 2 a.m., shout, Toe wig, say, hey, to the world. I will appear and show up to the world. But this ones we show down. We just day as we did. I said, but how can you say you felt like there was no place in my life? I was like, I couldn't understand it. And, you know, once again, I, of course, I used to cry away. I cried again. And I was like, God, this is so painful. So I spent years trying to understand what did I do only to realize that it was your insecurity that made you abandon me like that as if I did something horrible and I lived with the guilt and the fear and the shame and it affected my ability to move on with friendships. I'm like, you don't do that to somebody. So she said, you know, I get it. I get it now. I see it. But guess what? The problem was the passion of the season that I had that commitment had passed. So in as much as we are, okay, but I, I can't have friendship on that level with that person anymore. Not because of anger or anything. We just don't have life in common because we didn't journey anymore together. So this is very important. Very, very important. So I, I, I say that to say there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. There's a day for everything. Absalom understood what time it was. And he knew how to show up at the gates. He came with an entourage. So you are going for that big contract. How are you showing up? I'm not just talking about the physical clothes you're wearing. In the spirit realm, how are you showing up? Is there an army of angels working with you? Have you spent days fasting and praying before you put in that bead? You know that that bid can change your generation and change five generations of your family. And then you just used only your small knowledge from uh, Yale, Abu from Oxford. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many people have gone to kill five ram 
to get that contract. Do you know how many people have been sitting in their jasmine's house for one week to get that contract? Do you know the ones that have bribed everybody in that office with almost 200 million to get that contract? And you think it's by Oxford degree? It will shock you. Somebody with secondary school living certificate will get what belongs to you. Why? Because you don't know how to show up. There's a language for a season of showing up. I was saying to you people that how I started putting pressure on myself to be more articulate. And I pray prayers like, Lord, help me to hit the mark with my words. I have the revelation, but give me the ability to translate and communicate it. Father, teach me again how to conjugate sentences so that it releases power. Lord, this I started praying because I understood that a door was open to me and it was a door to show up. And then I started watching the limitations in my language and my speech and in the conveying of revelation. And I started saying, God, shorten my sentences. Help me, Father, to be able to communicate deep truths but in shorter ways so that people can receive it and hear it. I started shouting less and reducing the tone of my voice, even though I wasn't doing it before by myself. I would just hear the sermon. And once the, I go back to YouTube and I just play the thing, I would say, God, it's I'll just off the tail. I'll say, Isi, why you they shout? Why you they shout? Why you they shout? Try to sell somebody. I didn't, somebody asked me, do you? I said, I don't watch my sermons. I don't leave it. Leave it on YouTube for generations that can be it. So it's not like I, I do it on but knowingly. But when I'm overwhelmed with passion, because Jesus is... I had to tell myself, Auntie, calm down for Jesus. So I say, Holy Spirit, the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. So teach me how to subject the hotness of you on the inside of me. To speak it in a way that people from multiple races, multiple generations, multiple nations can hear me clearly. Please, I need you to learn what I'm telling you. You know, part of what I'll teach in that my mentorship program is the power of intelligent communication and I'm not teaching it from all these things you go and pay a $2,000 cost to learn I teach from the spirit I would because the, the Ezekiel Daniel Nehemiah Isaiah all these people in the days they lived do you think other people did not speak where they know other prophets but they know other people why is it the words of these ones that are captured and are called the holy word of God Everything matters. Everything matters. When you recognize you are a gate, you will man every corner of your life. You understand? So because I, I then realized that my sister-in-law in Canada, when I stayed with them, when we sit down and talk, she's always like, oh my God, Essay, you have so much wisdom. I love white people. I love, look, I, I, I get white therapy. Like, I love them because they're not like, we Africans, we're strong. We're strong. You know, they say, where we used to encourage in Africa? Ah, hey, look, you are, you, you are great. Oh, you have something good. Just do this thing. Ah, ah, hey, you are powerful. You know, but there's a way, Caucasians, they will, you know, they will articulate it and they will hug you. And she will, sometimes when she's telling me, she will even be crying. She's like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Your heart is so beautiful. Me that they are crying for, my eyes strong and red. And I'm thinking, eh. Okay, why is my beauty making you cry now? You know, so there's a therapy that she gives me. So when I'm with Sophie, 
I'm a completely different person. My brother, my brother that is her husband, will say, ah, he see, be like saying, are you married Oimbo? Oimbo is what we call white people in Nigeria. It's like, you see, it's like you're the one that's married to this white girl. I'm like, look, Ben, you don't know how to maximize what you have. Just leave me alone. So for that season, I'm like a white person. You know, we, I will be eating cucumber, lettuce. You know, I'll be eating only fish. I will not eat beef. Me and her, we'll, we'll go outside, we'll walk. You know, over my toe, if you call me that broccoli, you understand? If you call me that time, over my voice is different. Hello. Oh, yeah. You know, you, I appear with your accent. <laughs> Even I used to laugh in Canadian during that period when I'm with Sophie. She's my, she, she, she used to help me to enter dominion mandates to the rest of the world. <laughs> so, I noticed that when we talk one-on-one, -on -one, she's like, oh my God, you're so powerful. But when I'm teaching, she's like, she's, she's struggling to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, she's like, I know you. And when, when, when we talk, like you just have so much wisdom. She's like, but when I'm teaching or I'm praying, she she's confused. When I used to pray then in their house, she doesn't. She says she needs to know what to do. Somebody should just sit down. She's overwhelmed. She's like, oh gosh, how do I, what do I do? She's praying again. That the prayer used to worry her. I'm like, ah, auntie, you have to shake the principalities and powers. You have to tell them what time it is. You know. So I then realized that okay, maybe I can communicate better. Maybe I won't lose my power. I won't lose my strength. I won't lose my audacity, but I have to be careful on how I distill knowledge. So you hear me now say things like, two years ago, you will hear me say things like, number one, you have to know that, you will hear me say things like, there are seven things, there are four pathways, there are five components. You didn't, I didn't used to teach like that before. I used to teach like a story, and I'll just be telling the story I'm going. And I'll just be the revelation. But then I realized that you cannot capture a certain category of audience until you can break down the information in a way that they can receive it. It says, write the vision, make it plain, so that they that see it might run with it. If what you are teaching is not giving momentum to a generation, then there's a problem with the clarity of it. So you have to make it plain, easy to absorb, easy to receive. So I started learning. So when you see me behind the desk like this, with a table, with a chair, I'm using a mic, all of this is containing and constraining me to articulate myself better. So many times I don't like preaching from the pulpit because pulpit used to activate the preacher on the inside of me. And next day I'm like, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to fire, fire, fire everywhere. So when I'm going to preach from the pulpit, I actually pray now and I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit, so that I can effectively communicate and don't let microphone turn me into revivalist when I'm meant to come and teach this church. You know, but there's sometimes when I'm meant to actually just release it. And I know when the Holy Spirit is staring that. But I know when it's my passion that is now releasing and I'm not going back to my notes. So I, I put things to kill myself and I remember that I prayed and so I stop. I'm like, fantastic. And I will walk back to my laptop and I'll say, so the second thing you need to note, because if you leave me, I will never go back to that laptop. I'll just be preaching like TGJX and be going. So, and I said to myself, okay, you see, 
arrange yourself so that you are not repeating the same things over and over again go back to your notes so i'm saying this thing to you because i'm talking about showing up effectively showing up effectively so when i say show up i'm not talking about embrace pride and arrogance and you know just looking for opportunity that's not but show up effectively brush up your skills brush up your language you know brush up your master how to sit down and dine with kings you know you don't have to have any king in your in your line but just know that god has called you to kingship so go and learn you understand okay show up effectively you can go you can go you're going far you don't have to stay okay Are you sure you can okay you know so brush up yourself in fact if your your spouse is growing your husband is growing show up show up you know a man that when you married him he used to have only 5k to give you for food every month but now he's older and wiser and richer and he can afford to give you five hundred thousand one million five million for housekeeping a month and he doesn't shake him you have to show up you can also be giving him the ice fish that you were giving him 15 years ago 20 years ago you have to show up when he goes for meetings now they give them uh, what's their color is it canopy i be canopy they give them doves they give them all these things then he comes home and you've made jollof rice with ice fish what canopy canopy here you you can't you can't do that anymore you have to show up for the man you have to when you serve him on the table do a spread why should buffet before sunday brunches in hotels do buffets in your house Turn around to make sure there's appetizer, main meal, and there's dessert, healthy desserts, healthy things. Turn us what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> you see, our husband sent DM to PI. <laughs> they have nobody has sent me DMO, <laughs> but I'm telling you the one that I know. Do you understand? If you don't know how to do it, maybe when you were growing up, it was a pan your mother taught you, and then they taught you how to make a you know, I am a tanga soup. It's okay. If you don't have the time now to go and hire a chef, you understand? Uh -huh. Hire a chef. Why? Because economy evolves. Economy changes. And sometimes, self, the man may not even know that he's meant to show up. Show up as a prophecy for him. Change the thing for him to tell him that you are not the person you used to be anymore. So when he's saying, ah, what is all this one about? Just tell him, don't worry, get used to it. This is your new normal. When he goes outside, the way he will even begin to order will change. The way, because you, you are, you are staring up. You are changing things. So show up, show up for your wife. Show up for your wife. You can tell that this person is in a different season of life. You understand? Don't let an Absalom go and possess your wife's gates. Because Absalom will come with the houses and the chariots that they know she likes. All the sweet words she has been begging you to tell her for 20 years. One Absalom will just show up. We blasting her card and text messages every day. And he will still act as if he doesn't want anything. He'll be pretending as if he was at work, just giving the greatest compliment of her life. Please, uncle, man your gates. Man your gates. Man your gates. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Show up big for your spouses. Show up for your children. 
Let your children see the way that ah, ah, you download the right kind of games. You sit with them. You ask them, okay, oh, so this study, what's going on sciences? Oh, yeah. Know their friends. Show up for them. Oh, was it Ayo that said, okay, no, it was um, Derele. Okay, no, but Derele's mother, is that Mrs.? Yes. Show up for your children. When you know that you are in the season of a gate, please master what the season requires and show up. As a mentee, show up. When you see that your mentor is evolving, please, that's not the time to stand on the back and be saying, mm, ah, hey, Pierre, what God is doing with you, what God is doing with me is a sign of what God is doing in you. Show up. Do you understand what I'm saying? As a friend, show up. Stop trying to pull people back into where they are not. So, and don't, don't be a friend that is always throwing guilty darts at people. Ah, hmm, now for you, you now, since you are here, since you, stop doing that. It's not even cute. Show up for the friend. They're in a season of promotion. Act like it. You know, every opportunity you get to speak, don't say things like, ah, you know, this one, we drink Gary together. You know, they, made, they told you to make speech about the friend. Ah, don't think that this person has multiple weaknesses. What kind of bad behavior is that? Show up. Speak. If I recently, me and my husband went to a meeting and this person in great office, you know, said something. And sometimes I say, oh, um, who are you? You know, I think asked me something about who I, who I was or something like that. And my husband said, um, before she says anything, let me, let me just speak from the perspective as her husband. Oh. In fact, by the time you finish, I wanted to start clapping and say, come on. When you talk about showing up, the way the man showed up for me, man. He said, you see, you know, I'm her husband and I've watched my wife. You know, they're certain powerful things about her. You know, they're like four powerful things. Let me tell you the first thing. Ah, ah. <laughs> me, I'm looking, I'm saying, wait, ah, ah. is it not me that just, that just fought this man two days ago? The way he showed up for me, he finished work. By the time he finished the work, the person said, okay, I see it now. I know why you are the one that I'm searching for. <laughs> People of God show up. Don't be a child, I beg you. Don't be a child. Times to speak is not the time to go and open your dirty linen in public. You know, imagine if we said, eh, yes, who is she? Let me just speak very quickly. You know, my wife has many weaknesses. Hey, you have to understand that also. She's not really a strong person like that. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Uncle, I will use the chain of the gate to hang your neck. What's wrong with you? It's time to show up. Let's not do this outside. You understand? So, please. Very important. I, we have we have to end here. I I, I don't. <laughs> ah, death by gates chain. In fact, see <laughs> ah. <laughs> me laughing at almost ten p.m. at night. If people, I don't know how to end this access. As you can see, please help me. How should I end this thing? I need some very important intelligent people tell me what to do at this junction please i need help how do i end this thing <laughs> hey, access one who assess me so okay what do i do though all these keep going people you are not nice you are not the people i'm looking for the ones that are telling me keep going hey say keep preaching I, i'm looking for wisdom i'm not seeing you 
I'm only seeing people's personal desires. Somebody said we should do video. It's Saturday, Abby. We can't just Saturday now. Let me just press this thing just a little bit. You understand? You know, people that have phone, they say, so we're just going to give it a little. So little is L-I-D-U. So let's just press it a little bit. Okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. In fact, I'll, <laughs> I'll just do you like a Nollywood movie. The next thing I'll just talk, I'll just say, actually, to God be the glory. Watch out for part theory. Right? Okay. But seriously, um, guys, I, I hope you are hearing the wisdom I'm giving you. I beg you show up. But one thing you need to learn also is that the seasons of showing up, I taught you last month. The seasons of showing up are always riddled with adversities. The days when you were meant to stand up the most, Satan will send an attack ahead of that day. So that when the time comes, you don't have the strength anymore to take the right decisions. So the day that the kings are coming to visit, you are dressed in rags and you are not ready. That's what the enemy does. You understand what I'm saying? So you need to also be able to discern. What's all this attack about? What's all this thing? Why all of a sudden I'm struggling with something that I, I was strange to me before? It's because you're about to enter a seasonal promotion. You are in a showing up season. So we're talking about access gates, access gates. And for some people, it's as if the doors of your life are being fought. They are being shut more than ever. And then the ones that are supposed to be shut are being opened more than ever. Eh, it's okay. It's all right. That's what Satan does. He raises a parallel season that looks nothing like the one that God is calling you to, to discourage you, confuse you, and derail you from God's will. So showing up is not as easy as just deciding. You first show up in your spirit. You first show up in prayer. You first show up in consecration. You first show up in your devotion to God. When you show up there, in the midst of the pain, the struggle, confusion, God can still help you navigate your way to his will. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, um, Absalom prepared chariots, horses, 50 men to run before him. Created this image of greatness. And Absalom rose up early. I've talked to you about time. And this morning I stayed up, stayed on Kairos and Kronos. And how to manipulate by the grace of God. Kronos through Kairos. And how Kairos gives you power to be able to man the gates of Kronos. You know. And so, and he says he rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom came unto him and said, what did he say? Of what city art thou? Like, where have you come from? Who are you? What do you carry? He will see through to find the people. He will make it look as if he's interested in you. And then he said, thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. The person will say, thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom will say unto him, see, thy matters are good and right. So Absalom, one of his strategies was that he did not even, he wasn't really trying to judge any matter. 
He was just trying to get favor. So no matter the matter that the person brought you, say, ah, your, your issue is good and just. Oh yes, this position you've taken is a nice one. That was what Absalom would always do. In fact, I just remember that I lost a trail of thought when I was saying showing about telling you how the Queen of Sheba showed up to Solomon and she brought spices, herbs and all kinds of things to Solomon's um, house when she came to see him. And then Solomon also, he dealt with her. He gave her, he showed her levels. The Bible says that when she entered the palace, she looked at what Solo did with money. She looked at this, this, the way his servant stood, the manner of clothes that his servants wore. Do you understand? She looked at the setting of the table. She looked at the order. She looked at his economia. The Bible says her spirit left her. Basically, the Queen of Sheba fainted. You don't understand? She literally fainted. She was overwhelmed by what she saw in, 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 um, in Solomon's temple, Solomon's house. She, the woman fainted. She, she had never, she never expected it. Such levels, she never expected it. You understand? So her spirit left her. Now, why is this important? The way Solomon showed up, and even the way she showed up. So you cannot be going to a king, and you go without spices, herbs, and gifts. Carry something. Carry something. Recently, somebody that is always asking me for money. I said to the person, I said, you, you have not one day showed up at my house and brought a loaf of bread. Do you understand? Or wherever you were, you just ordered five loaves of bread. Grand square to be precise. Because there are, there's bread and there are breads that give life. You understand? And alongside it, it gives fat and calories. So, grand square is a powerful bread. You know, you have not one day sat down where you were. I said, oh, ah, this woman of God, I don't have 10,000 to give her, but I can buy two loaves of bread. In the economy of Buhari, it could have been five loaves. Now it's only two, but it's okay. He's the God that multiplies bread and fish. So you send the two loaves and send it to the house. You know, you send the entire bakery, Pastor Stephanie. <laughs> what about one tuba of yam? If you don't have money, how about one you were coming to visit one pack of Eva water? You have to understand what I'm saying. Kachi, please, my laptop is about to die. I think it's not connected. You show up properly. It's very important. I never go to see important people without carrying gifts, no matter what it is. No matter the, even if it's one um, pack of uh, dental floss, I will carry. And say, oh, I was, I come, I, I just thought maybe you need this thing. And the person will say, I sure, you know, people don't remember to buy things like this. Yes. Show up. Always give gifts. Always give things. Always, always make it a culture. So Queen of Sheba did not say, I should be as money. I beg. She came with things. Because I always tell people, you are not as wealthy as what you have, but as what you are able and willing to give away. That's the true determination of wealth. So I have seen very poor people that have millions. And I have seen very wealthy people with thousands. It's a mindset. It's the way you see, see things and think. Now, um, just going on. So Solomon, Absalom will tell them, everything you are doing is all right. 
I yesterday when I was teaching, I said, be very careful of people that are too careful about correcting as people or speaking truth. I said, when you meet somebody that does not know how to say the truth to people, be careful what they are doing with others, they will do with you. They may tell you, ah, ah, but you, you are my person. It's a lie. This, that fear that makes it hard. Everybody that they will tell, yes, I see your point. Yes, of course. You're right. That is the way. Oh, yeah, you're such an intelligent person. You see, that's what they are doing. With you, they will do the same. So, mark it as a leader. Remember Aaron, I taught you, Aaron was too afraid of being unpopular. So, Aaron did not say, he did not chastise, he did not quarrel. Imagine if Moses never came down from that mountain. The entire miracles of Egypt that God did would have died and failed at the hand of a man that was afraid of people. Everything that God did to bring them out of the wilderness, it would have died at the hands of a man that was too afraid of being unpopular. Those are not the kind of people you put in leadership. You understand? I'm not saying put a person that insults everybody. No. But they understand how to speak judgment and truth where it is needed in the way that it can be received. Very, very important. So Absalom will say to them, everything you are saying is right. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm more loyal to truth than to a person. Absolutely. You know, so Absalom will say everything is right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear you. So he would even lie about um, David's um, structure. I said that there's nobody that has been said. David has, David has no plan. He hasn't put up a structure to accommodate your struggles. So Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made a judge in the land. Oh, that every man which had any suit or case might come to me. I would do him justice. Can you hear what he's saying? So what uh, Absalom was doing was implying he first of all dismissed and put down David's own structure and system and said, if only I were made a judge in the land. Oh, look at what I will do. Listen to me. Okay, let me just use ministry. You see it a lot in ministry where people know how to speak so much about what the pastor is not getting right. Everybody has a grand idea about how the church should be. Or what the pastor should have done better and they speak against the system and they say oh you know um the, the, this church, I, I don't know i just i just feel like you know um and when i think about poi if only i don't know sha i just feel like pi doesn't have the you know if only, okay seeing that you know can you come and do it and help me you won't do it all but you stand at the gate as a trusted person, as a trusted voice, and speak against the system and make it seem as if it's deficient. And then you will not add to it. Ah, well, if, I mean, if they, if they would just even allow me, like, if only she would allow me, you know, I would have done it differently, you know. So many times you have been Absalom's and we don't know it. You have been an Absalom and you don't know it. So you are there at the gate, trusted, respected. Everybody think, ah, this one is his person. And then you are speaking about the deficiency of the system and saying, oh, there's no plan for you, the people. And oh, they don't really care about you. And saying that, and then you chip in. Ah, and the person now says, ah, but ah, you can do it ah, if only they will allow me. That was exactly what Absalom did. So like I said, when you are preaching this sermon, I'm turning the hand to myself first. 
So don't think I'm preaching at you what I have not preached to myself. So he says, if only the, I was made a judge in the land. Oh, look at how we give every man justice. He says, and it was so that when any man came near to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this matter did Absalom to did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Ah! I hope somebody is hearing me. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Where was David? Where was David? It was not one day that Absalom did this. He must have been mounting, mounting that gate for several days, for weeks. Where was David? David cannot say he did not know. David cannot say nobody whispered it to his ears. Listen, an Absalom at the gate that you take for granted is going to take your throne from you. I remember I have told you that Absalom sometimes is not just people. And in fact, even in your business, you can have Absaloms. Oh, this company, this organization, I just don't know, you know, sometimes they are HR policy, but they are not leaving, you know, they never resign, you know. they, are, they are the ones that last there for, in the company for 15 years, they will not go anywhere, but they are just there. Talking about the deficiencies, talking about the inadequacies, and then putting themselves forward as possible candidates to take over, to take your place, to take what you are doing, to take what you are building. And then, what are they doing? They are coming after the hearts of the people. Coming after the hearts of the people. So that tomorrow you just wake up and look. And find out that everybody will start saying, Oh, is this one that is now my, my leader, my mentor? Uh -uh. So you are the one on the throne, but you are not the one with the power. You are the one on the throne, but you are not the one that is leading the hearts of the people. You are the one on the throne, but you are not the one controlling the economy of the land anymore. Because the person who possesses the heart possesses the economy. You need to understand what I'm saying. So Absalom did not go straight for David's throne. He understood indirect warfare. Absalom understood the power of capturing the people before you capture the king. Because if you can get the hearts of the people, you can make them turn their back on the king. Get what I'm saying? So, um, I'm saying these things to you because you are going to be manning gates. You are going to be manning economies. God is going to be trusting you with region. You are going to have opportunities. So you need wisdom to engage on the level of the opportunities that are coming to you. You need wisdom. So the first question you want to ask yourself is where was the gatekeeper when Absalom was doing all of this at the gate? There must have been somebody that David appointed to watch the gates. Where was that person? Who was that person loyal to? Was he loyal to Absalom or was he loyal to, um, to David? Somebody said, in fact, somebody was talking to me about a man of God that has a problem with another man of God. And, you know, I said, I just don't know. Da, 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 da. And, I, and I looked at the person. I said, I can understand. This other man, this man of God is not perfect too. I said, but I can understand why he has a problem with this other person. My person said, why? I said, consider it. Most of the people who leave this particular man of God, this other one will take on 
as their child and oh I'm there for you meanwhile the two of them are friends but will never go to his friend and say oh see oh, your child oh, has come to me and is not happy about this I'm not let's find a way to resolve it okay don't worry I'm bringing this child to your house we'll sit down and this matter we must resolve it never does that but will carry the, the children and now make them his own and start yes does a good job but then never tries to broker peace I said to the person I say imagine if my child came to your house because maybe the, my child is having issues with me as a teenager and comes to me and says auntie look at my mom that then I you not keep my child with you and then you never one day even call me to say ah uh, mommy Judah uh, your daughter or Priscilla is now in my house, so she says, see, 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 see what happened. Then two of us will now talk and say, oh yeah, uh, why is she like that? Talk to her. If I keep her for one week, just make sure you cancel her because uh, after one month, two months, one year, you don't bring the child to me. Uh -uh. Then I'll not be sitting of you on, the pic on pictures together. You'll be doing mother-daughter time, you know, this one, this one, this one, adoption, the next level of childbearing. Hey! Of course you are not a good person. It's different if you don't have a relationship with me. What I expect you to do is to say, Oya Priscilla, you've eaten in my house for three days. You are now fine. Oya, pack your bag. Let's go back to your mother's house. Come, come, come. Uh -huh. Mama, uh, Nathan, let's talk this matter. If you and Priscilla fight again, say, Oya Priscilla, come, let's go back. We'll come back again next week. But if it now becomes a case when I say, please, keep Priscilla, I don't want. After all efforts, you have the right to do what you want to do. I sit to a certain person, I say, I get it. Because this other person never tries to help out. And they are friends. I said, of course, after a while, this one will, their hearts will be bitter. Listen, do unto others as you will want others to do unto you. It's very simple. It's easier to judge when you are not the one that is being judged. The day you are being judged unfairly, you would understand how painful it is when unfair measures you were meeting out unfair measures to other people is somebody with me so i say that to say what absalom was doing he would tell the people don't worry i'm here i can give you a better life and a better way you know don't worry about david come let me take care of your issues deal with the absalom on the inside of you it never ends well for absalom's never never ends well for Absalom's and now it's not a one-size-fits-all there are different dynamics to this but always check your heart to be sure why and to ask yourself is there a better way that I can go about this thing sometimes it may leave you at loss because you seem like the foolish one but it is better to track right with the Lord then in your wisdom, you are not engaging in demonic manipulation. It's better to do it right with the Lord. So, the gatekeeper that you put at the gate matters. Because whoever was at that gate that did not go back to tell David, David, there's problem. Oh, the thing I'm seeing Absalom doing, there's issue. That person should be dealt with. So he was either blind or lazy or just didn't know how to go about things. Or he was just a corrupt gatekeeper. So here are several things to note about Absalom and then we go 
I will not teach them, I will just list them. Number one, the Absalom spirit embraces the spirit of deception and embodies the spirit of deception. Number one, it's a deceitful tongue, a deceitful person. Number two, the Absalom spirit always seeks to confuse and deceive people and it depends on outward appearance of greatness. So it depends on the pump and the pageantry. That's the thing about the Absalom spirit. Outward appearance of grace, always cooking up a, a name for themselves and a storm and, you know, oh yeah, you know, I did it. Absalom's. Number three, Absalom's turned the people to himself and away from the king. Are we still together? Number four, the Absalom spirit outworks itself through people who would normally be viewed as sons or family or, you understand, one with the vision. Number five, Absaloms are self-designated gatekeepers. So you just wake up and say that somebody has now got an unofficial position in your house, in your business, in your family, your company, your this. They were not designated. They become self-designated. Be careful. How did they gather so much power? Number six, Absaloms understand the spiritual protocols so that they understand spiritual protocols so that they manipulate the protocols for their good. So Absalom understood. He knew you go there to the gate early. He knew you come looking great. He knew talk to the people, ask them about their tribe, seem interested. He understood spiritual protocols, but they manipulate spiritual protocols for their good. So you can hardly find where to hold them. Number seven, Absalom's end up raping the king's concubines by the counsel of Ahithophel, but he also was grieved against David over the rape of his sister. So basically, Absaloms always have revenge embedded in their heart and the need to disgrace the king. So be careful of people who easily disgrace leaders that they work under. So you are there, when you see the person with the leader, the person is like, oh, sir, oh, ma, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see that, you are sure, you are like, ah, ah. But you were just opening this person up before me two minutes ago. Be careful. It's part of the Absalomic spirit. They know, they easily disgrace and they rape. They have a spirit of rape. What is rape? To rape is to plunder without authority. So they always want to plunder and they want to take from places and systems, even though they are not authorized to. So they are finding ways, backdoor of making their own profit and their own gain. It's an Absalomic spirit. But Absaloms never end up well as long as it's a David you are dealing with. It will never end well. So I told you about Ahithophel today. And the fourth point, number four, the Absalom spirit outworks itself through people who would normally be viewed as sons. So basically, the ones that people will receive in your name or people who you've already given authority or people who from the outside, others think that, ah, this one is part of that thing, part of that vision, part of those people. They, they, they are viewed as sons. Ah, uh -uh. number one. Number one, the Absalom spirit embraces the spirit of deception and sometimes even embodies the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception. That could be an entire teaching in itself, but let's leave that one. 
but just understand it from where you understand it. So who was Absalom's wisdom in all of this? His name was Ahithophel. His name was Ahithophel. David was told, and it was told to David, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Because Ahithophel was wise. And so David knew that if Ahithophel stays with Absalom, Absalom, will, his throne will be established because Ahithophel was part of the people that helped David establish his own throne. So in 2 Samuel 16, 23, said, Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice just as David had done. For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as, wise as though they had come directly from the mouth of God. So why am I touching on Ahithophel in this story? Because Ahithophel was a key, um, key point of David's power and Absalom's power. So Ahithophel joined Absalom against David. Meanwhile, Ahithophel had been a trusted person that David worked with. And he says he was so wise that when he spoke, it was as though his words came directly from the mouth of God. Do you have people like that that work with you in your organization, in your company? You have to also understand that there are some people that, because I was telling you this morning that um, Ahithophel's uh, Bathsheba was Ahithophel's granddaughter. Ahithophel's son's name is Eliam and Bathsheba was Eliam's daughter. So Ahithophel was grieved by what David did. But maybe David just thought, ah, ah, he's my servant now. See, and he works for me. He won't, there's nothing he can do, so he'll be fine. He'll keep doing his duty. People will do their duty as long as they don't have an option to turn their back on you. So be careful. Don't hurt servants that work closely with you. People who work closely with you and man the gates for you and you take counsel and wisdom at their lips and they have access to you, be careful. If you know that you've hurt them, make peace. Find a way. Because if, if Satan turns them into like an Ahithophel and the grief in their hearts, they never deal with it. The day an Absalom option will show up, there will be the people that will empower Absalom to take you down. So even in companies, there are certain people that work with you that, you know, this is my key IT person. That is the one that handles the entire back door of this company where we are making $12 million a month. He's really the, the, the 12 inside his hand because of the nature of work that he does. And then you do certain things to the person and think that the day another person that offers him something greater and opportunity comes, they'll be loyal to you. They won't. So loyalty is not bestowed. Do you understand? You earn it. You earn the right to be, for somebody to be loyal to you. You earn it. So be very, very careful of the Absaloms, you know, as you build and as God begins, um, of the Ahithophels, as you build and as God begins to give you economies. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We are going to end access this season here. I know this sounds proud and arrogant, but please, can you just celebrate me quickly? We'll, we'll celebrate Jesus after me because Jesus is the master. But just help me, please. Say, Pia, ah, Pia, you have tried. Praise Jesus. <laughs> we will take communion. Thank you, Jadi. <laughs> ah! 
and you have to understand what what uh, Absalom did. By the time he took David's palace, he went for all of David's wife's concubines and slept with them. He puts it on the rooftop, put the bed on the rooftop and raped them on the rooftop for the whole city to see. Do you know what it takes to do something like that? For the whole city to see, of which me, I don't know which medicine Absalom is drinking for him to be able to rape all his father's concubines. But let's leave that for another day. But he did it for the whole city to see. That's to tell you that there was something in Absalom's heart. He, was, he wanted David to feel the pain of somebody who belongs to you and under your protection for them to be raped and you don't have the power to do anything about it. He wanted David to feel the pain. That's why when there are some wickedness that people do, even them are ashamed at the depth of wickedness that they can meet out. And they're like, ah, I couldn't believe I could do that to the person who... Yes, the reason is because it had been brewing in your heart. And it was not resolved. And you acted like, I can forget about it. Then the day that came for you, to, for you to show the person paper, you did it. That's to tell you that you are capable of great evil when you don't address the hurt in your heart. You are capable of great evil when you don't address the pain in your heart. Please, always address it before God. Okay? Alright. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this season of access. Thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, all the teachings. Thank you for the revelation. Thank you for truth. Thank you, God, for all the things you have poured out. Thank you, Father, for delivering us. Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for showing us, oh God, what we ought to know. Thank you, Jesus, for just um, replenishing us, oh God. Thank you, Father, because we were not left without replenishment. Even as we were going through the access, Father, you just kept giving us, you kept pointing to us, you kept giving us grace to stay, to sit, to learn, to grow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the things that you have changed in our families and the doors that you have opened in our lands and in our nations. Thank you for our businesses that are about to change. Thank you, God, for the way we are about to man our gates more powerfully as you are raising us up into places of opportunities. Thank you, Father, because you will use us to control economies and economic systems, and we are going to be wiser. Thank you, Father, because we now know how to enter the realm of the spirit how to work with time and how to partner with eternity thank you jesus we are grateful we are grateful lord thank you holy spirit i want you to take your communion and we are going to break bread Gather everything you have learned and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just allow your mind, begin to think through everything I've taught you in this season of access. Begin to think about it and be praying in the Holy Ghost. As you are thinking about it, be praying in the Holy Ghost. Just allow all the learnings and all the teachings be stirred up into a spiritual language. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Kande vila barosh ke demre inke turage de la bando krugush gubai. Sham rodondo domre ike zove vilia. His kamradanda barosh ke babale kai. His kumre hende vele brarosko velendengra antente tende brohush gubai. His kavavande brohosko vega. His songrondosh ke babale karaske tavalati. Haska vevo rombo shibra ankente le bosh. Arake skovevele brundos he shavalingra onto velekemba onta likra iskovai shabare javalaka paporia kezende rekede izove gerabata izove regadabata hakavando brohuskebai likate lemboko koroshko dimbra inketada desko vevela akabare kashanda rukazo iskegelebanto rusko babaye kato balaha oh god give us wisdom barakasharavai god give us courage Karosketa, the culture of courage. Hey, Kabarosha, the Bababare Kaza. Lord, teach me how to show up in the name of Jesus. Arande Baruko Sukopele Kinda Baraza Taylor. Oh, Lord Jesus, show me, oh God. How to be a jar unto honor. Expand the revelation of economia on the inside of me. Expand the understanding of managing my house and managing the house of the kingdom that is committed to my care. Managing the economy of my marriage. Managing the economy of my parenthood. Open my eyes in the name of Jesus. Every Absalomic spirit, that was embedded in my soul or in my mind, by reason of previous struggles, Lord, I break my hold with them in the name of Jesus, Lord, I shatter my commitment and my my connection with the sons of Haman, in the name of Jesus, I decree and I declare, that my life, is a living testimony. I decree that in the name of Jesus, I am an effective gate. I am a wide gate. I am a broad gate. I am a gate that has multiple gates within me. In the name of Jesus, I decree and I declare that my children are made for signs and wonders. I pray for my husband in the name of Jesus. I decree and I declare that the power of this season and the power of access is upon him in the name of Jesus. Therefore, doors are opening in my home. Doors are opening to my husband. Doors are opening to your wife. In the name of Jesus, I pray for my children. Knowledge and wisdom will never depart from them. Their souls are filled with revelation in the name of Jesus. I have the capacity to understand government and governmental structures. Government and kingdom and rulership. In the name of Jesus, I am an appointed leader for my time. I will not give up on the opportunities that God has given to me. But I show up in the name of Jesus. I show up in time and in season. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The grace to prepare effectively is upon me. In the name of Jesus, Moroko Sekela, Akaba Shida Varaketo, and I will.
Lord, be silent. I will always worship you. Go ahead. As long as I am breathing, I Always worship you. Make that a declaration. Clear it. I will not be silent. I will always worship you. Make that a declaration coming out of your life. As that everything in your life will speak. Everything coming out of you will speak. That you will be God's economy here on earth. That you are God's trusted man here on earth. That everything that proceeds out of you will be the revealing of the heart on the will of the Father. Karabashete. Now declare that you will not be silenced. You will not be silenced by culture. You will not be silenced by shame. You will not be silenced by fear. You will not be silenced by this generation. You will not be silenced, but you will always speak. Longest I am great day that we have ended this great series of access for the month of October. We declare, O oh God, that this bread is a testimony of your power in our lives. We declare that this is our agreement with everything that you have done and everything that you are. We declare that indeed we agree that Jesus has become for us the great door of access. That every realm you have opened, we will enter. Every inheritance you have died for, we will receive. Everything you have bled to give us, we will take. This is our agreement that we are not rebels against you. That this will not be just a sermon we have heard, but it will be the life of Christ that we live. We agree to be living testimonies of the power of Jesus here on earth. So as we eat and we drink, we remember that it is all about Jesus and we receive everything that he has given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
In the name of Jesus, Imale Kori Shadabaro Kosave, Alondoski Veleketi Lakadoboro Shitakaha. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you praise and we thank you for the great mysteries that have been unveiled and the opportunity to worship at your feet. And so, even though we end access as a teaching for one week, 14 sessions, Lord, thank you. We know that it doesn't really end. So let the doors we have opened by reason of prayer and pushing and pressing, let the doors stay open unto us in the name of Jesus. Let the door open more doors for us in the realm of the spirit. Let the door open more doors for us in the realm of the spirit. Let the door cause, oh God, this month of October to be one of the most remarkable months in our lives. Let revelation that we have received go ahead of us to cause manifestation in the name of Jesus. Father, we are leaving this place, but we are not leaving the altar. We are leaving this place, but we are not leaving revelation. Lord, bind us to these words. Bind us to truth. Seal it in our hearts and let it be for us and our children. The covenant is to all that are with us. Everybody in my house and in my life becomes a partaker of the things that you have done in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray for prayer rain. We pray for Pastor Stephanie. We pray for her team. We pray for Kachi. We pray for Iman um, Samuel. We pray for Victor. We pray for everybody. I pray for myself and to the entire team that has put this together. Lord, bless them. Lord bless them, Lord bless them, Lord bless them, Lord bless them. Let their efforts not be in vain. Let this be a season that heaven will mark. And when people are being called up in heaven, let the things that they did in this season be part of their inheritance in the life to come. Father, to everyone that has been faithful, reward them. Bless the people that have shown up consistently day in and out. Father, bless them to the one that even watched only one access series or 30 minutes let them also receive this power and this access in the name of Jesus use this entire series as a gateway to infiltrate our generation and to deliver your people from captivity in the mighty name of Jesus Lord thank you Lord we are grateful and when we come back next month oh God help us to come back with greater strength greater agility greater ability we know that that will be the period where we'll be in Uganda and then to Kenya. And so, Father, in the midst of all of that, don't let our strength be truncated. Give us wisdom by which we can still make manifest the power on this altar and be consistent with the teaching of access. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We are grateful. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you did here. The great teacher, the great rabbi, thank you. Jesus, my pastor, Jesus, my master, thank you. Thank you for feeding the people and for breaking the bread in my spirit 
and multiplying it into modules of revelation for them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all. I wish I could tell you we're not going, but we are going. Holiday is coming. Holiday is coming. It is vacation time. Please, even though you are going home, don't forget your books. Don't forget everything that I love you too. Don't forget everything we have learned oh Please. Oh yes, I'll see you at the shift, Hannah. I will see you people next weekend. But for those that I will not see, I'm still seeing you in the spirit. And I still love you. And I'll still be praying for all of you. Pray for me, oh. Remember me when you pray, oh. Don't say, oh, P.I. has, it's okay. Be like uh, Queen of Sheba. Bring me great spiritual wealth in the spirit realm. Don't say she has, so you won't give me prayer. You won't give me anointing and peace please lift me up so that next month i don't come and be saying because access is an access in which when you assess you understand what i'm saying it's it's all about access please pray for me so that the word of god on my lips will not cease it will not die and revelation will continue to flow through me so keep me in your prayers i love you all um I, I stephanie i don't know if there's room for one more person on shift otherwise it's closed you can go ahead and check and if you want um to join my personal mentorship program go ahead and check contact pastor stephanie if you have any questions inquiries needs or any way in which you want to navigate it contact pastor stephanie uh she will tell you what to do and how you can do it and uh, I look forward to seeing you all. Join all the courses that people of influence is doing. There are so many free courses coming up this month. So don't miss them. The one on dreams, don't miss it all. Dreams and visions, make sure you don't miss it, please. I beg you. Um, and then give towards prayer rain. Then we have PayPal account, we have Naira, we have dollars, we have even America. If you're in America, you can sell. So it's people of influence. P.O. I don't know, please put the email address for Zelle so those in America can always send to our Bank of American account. God bless you. And I think we have something in Kenya that you can send in PESA to a Kenya account. So God bless you all. I love you. I'm grateful for you. And it's an honor to have been your teacher at the University of Access. And I celebrate you. And I celebrate your coming victories. God bless you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Alright, take care. Make sure you wake up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. You pray. Don't let your ginger die. Still wake up and pray. You understand? Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Just go and sit in front of your laptop and start reading. Go over all the sermons again. Take your notes, okay? Alright. Bye for real. We love you 